This Teflon-coated roof will be vibrating tonight as the Tampa Bay Buccaneers battle the Minnesota Vikings on Monday Night Football. Hello, everybody. I'm Al Michaels. The Buccaneers, who are tied for first place, are about to take on the undefeated Vikings in what should be a thriller. Then, tomorrow night on ABC, from a single girl to mother of two in six states flat, the Gina Davis Show. I'm joined now by Dan Fouts. Hey, Al. Dan, it seems to me that the Buccaneers and the Vikings are serious Super Bowl favorites. That's right, Al. Tampa Bay is an excellent, excellent football team. But the Vikings have a great football team, too. Al, my prediction is that whoever puts the most points on the scoreboard will probably win tonight's football game. Of, the expertise of a true NFL great for an injury report. Let's go to Melissa Stark. Hi, Al. Tampa Bay running back Warwick Don is out for the, first, the third straight game after tearing the medial lateral ligament in his left knee. Now, this is a guy who's averaged 4.6 yards a carry, Al. You know, Al, you may not take me seriously because I'm a woman wearing a lavender sweater set from Club Monaco. But I'll tell you one thing, Al. I know my football. That girl's got something. She's got a real spark, and that's all right with me, Al. Well, we're joined now by Dennis Miller, Dinner's uh, Tampa Bay coach Tony Dungy. What do you think? Well, folks, tonight's pigskin competition will involve more offensive strategy than an Albert Speer-designed German blitzkrieg. <laughs> <laughs> On one side, we've got Dennis Green, a draft pick virtuoso, not to mention a guy who stole Eldridge Cleaver's afro. side of the ball. You got the bucko skipper Tony Dungy. He's created a pass rush that's about as volatile as Dennis Hopper after a three-day crystal meth binge. But <laughs> by any measure, wide receiver Randy Moss scores more often than Leo DiCaprio at an NSYNC concert in the Mall of America during a lunar eclipse. <laughs> Tampa Bay loses tonight. There'll be understudies in the Boca Raton Dinner Theater production of Les Mis with Warren Sapp as Jean Valjean. Isn't that right, Albina? Warren Sapp, perhaps the most feared man in the NFC, and this Friday on ABC, it's Madigan Man. Hey, Al, I saw the uh, Madigan Man pilot. It's got fewer laughs than Molly Bloom's internal monologue at the end of Jimmy Joyce's Ulysses. <laughs> Ulysses, I love this guy, Al. It's like attending Hallie Joel Austin's birthday party at a Benihana. I, uh... Dennis, you lost me on that one, buddy. You know, a lot has been made about the great running backs. Who better to discuss it? Here's Eric Dickerson. My man, uh, who's about it, about it? Uh, Dante Culpepper's about it, about it. Uh, Dante's the bottom. Uh, he passed for three touchdowns last week. Uh, I asked Dante about the Tampa Bay D. But Dante said he not worried about that. I told him, uh, you got to get your freak on, uh, kid. He said, I'm a baller. Oh, snap. Thoughtful commentary from the former Ram. 
and thoughtful drama this Wednesday on NBC's Gideon's Crossing. Dan quarterback Sean King, your take. Al, Sean King knows how to throw the football, okay? And a quarterback who's able to take that football from the snap, throw that football up into the air, into the hands of the receiver as he's running down the field. Really, that'll help this football team score a touchdown. And that's what this game's all about. For an injury update, let's go back to Melissa Stark. Hi, Al. Vikings tackle Tony Williams may not play due to a groin injury. I don't know firsthand what that feels like, Al, but you probably don't understand the, p the pain of childbirth either, Al. Now, Al, I know it's awkward for you to be working with a woman, but I wish you would say hi to me in the hallway sometimes. Hopefully in time, Al, you won't see me as a threat, but as a colleague who knows her football. I like this lady, Al, I really do. Dad, it looks like you're sprouting some wood there, but... I haven't seen a package that tight since I got a COD from Teddy Kaczynski. We're just two minutes away from kickoff here at the Metrodome, and I think all of you Monday Night Football fans will agree that this new crew that I'm working with makes me truly lucky to have worked with Boomer Esiason. We'll be right back after this. We will be back right after this. Hey, Phil. What's up, James? What's going on with you? Oh, man, I got a lot to talk about tonight. Welcome to the AMC 8 Cage. Let's, Let's go. go. Welcome to the 8 Cage, AMC 8 Cage, BD in your rib cage, yeah, yeah. Welcome to the 8 Cage, AMC 8 Cage, kicking like Johnny Cage, yeah, yeah. Welcome to the 8 Cage, AMC 8 Cage, welcome to the big stage, yeah, yeah. AMC 8 Cage, 8 stuff short, so lock, engage. Welcome to the 8 Cage, AMC 8 Cage, BD in your rib cage, yeah, yeah. Welcome to the 8 Cage, AMC 8 Cage, kicking like Johnny Cage, yeah, yeah. Welcome to the 8 Cage, AMC 8 Cage, welcome to the big stage, yeah, yeah. AMC 8 Cage, H got the short song lock. Welcome to the 8K's AMC 8K's, kicking like Johnny Cage, yeah, yeah. Welcome to the 8K's AMC 8K's, BD in your rib cage, yeah, yeah. AMC 8K's, H, got the short song, lock, engage. Yeah.
or ETA rounds. Now I'm busting this bitch's head when I come round. Acting like the people that ain't never had shit. Looking through my brain, saying that's some mad shit. I got damn with these dollars. The hoes ain't shining. Movie ain't running. My bank ain't climbing. You looking at a multi-millionaire in the flesh. Like they had it up like it just hit me your check. I can walk it like a talking. Mean high seed. Preach you like a breach you. Now put that in your head, people. Put a gun. Who the gun? Ain't nothing. Pop a pound. Pop the crystal and drink some. Meet me in the casino. Way in the back. You're running like a motherfucker. Still shooting crap. You know I got back. I got millionaire statues. I got so much money that the rich be looking at you. Welcome to the 8th cage AMC, 8th cage DD, your rib cage, yeah, yeah. Welcome to the 8th cage AMC, 8th cage kicking like Johnny Cage, yeah, yeah. Welcome to the 8th cage AMC, 8th cage, welcome to the big stage, yeah, yeah. AMC, 8th cage, 8th got the short song lock, engage. Welcome to the 8th cage AMC, 8th cage DD, your rib cage, yeah, yeah. Welcome to the 8th cage AMC, 8th cage kicking like Johnny Cage, yeah, yeah. Welcome to the 8th cage AMC, 8th cage, welcome to the big stage, yeah, yeah. AMC, 8th cage, AMC got the short song lock, engage. Let's have some fun tonight. Welcome to the AMC 8th cage. It's a wonderful Tuesday. We're having fun. Go ahead and put out some music for you guys, and thank you all for coming down. Thank you all for coming for tonight. Um, very informative show from start to finish. So, just want to go around the room and say hi to everybody, but Robert, how are you? I'm doing awesome. Yeah, that's always good to hear. Chaotic. Hey, guys. Doing great. Yeah, as long as you're happy, that's all that matters. Hooray! Another day in paradise over here, huh, guys? For sure, for sure. Gotta give a shout out to Sue Ray. What up, man? My question on the Netflix deal is: they got two hundred and ah shit, it's like one hundred and seventeen million people that use T-Mobile, and T-Mobile just offered free Netflix with their subscribers. So they're not paid subscribers. They made a deal that they pay money for for those subscribers. And I looked up the number earlier, but I can't remember it off the top of my head. So they didn't gain a damn thing. Watch this fucker drop like a rock in a little while. Oh, correct. Correct. It's just going to drop like an absolute rock. It's It's of the premise of them actually getting those subscriptions and that's not to say that everybody that signs up for t-mobile is going to actually get them it's stupid yeah they i i've done that before when i was with t-mobile they this isn't something new they've actually they've offered it with their top tier plan for as long as i can remember um they might just be advertising it again but you they send you uh you don't automatically get it you do have to sign up like you have to you know go to their their app and request a special link so you know they can say oh it's this many subscribers but like until those numbers hit i mean they can pretty much assume but well even if they, they hit there's no revenue there's no revenue for netflix there no there's where's the gained. revenue there's that's just a numbers boost for stocks that's not anything to your net ebitda nothing no zero well, i don't really care about netflix anyway so i'm not really like <laughs> <laughs> if they, are they really acting like their stocks getting a boost over this situation right now? Oh, of course. Oh my God! I thought AMC was a bunch of bullshit. Why are they acting like we have such a huge impact on the Netflix stock all of a sudden? Because it doesn't count unless you make an account. It doesn't. It doesn't count. Um, I think that 
part of the plan, like if somebody signs up, there's some kind of a credit that comes from T-Mobile, but it doesn't count unless they sign up. That's correct. Add uh, you guys are, are about to uh, hear something that will absolutely shudder you. This is from Reuters. They just posted this today. T take a look. Take a hear at this. So it's a, it, the, the title of this is Cryptoverse. Will Bitcoin behave better on Wall Street? <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, I mean, it, do you see what this is going to like a circus, a clown show? No, no, no they're basically saying that Bitcoin is owned by Wall Street. Or it was, I mean, I, I've been saying it's, it was already owned by Wall Street, like the crypto. But this is like, it's like, oh, is it going to behave better when Wall Street has Not it? Not any better than Wall Street executives are currently behaving. I was going to say, what's wow. the difference between what it's ever been, ever since it went to exchange through central banking systems and got centralized, and banks are owned by Wall Street, what changed? All I'm saying is you could put a pair of safety scissors in their hand and they do damage with it. <laughs> it's not it's not a matter of what tool they're using, it's the people with it that's got it in their hand. I shouldn't be running with these. I don't blame my pencil for all my spelling mistakes, y'all. Wait, I, I thought you always actually blamed your keyboard, didn't you, Chaotic? No, I admit when I'm being dumb. I'm just saying, like, I can't... <laughs> I just <laughs> do, I, do I have to bring up hot takes on Friday nights? All I do know it. is, is that like, do I'm it. just picturing the big guy from cloudy with a chance of meatballs wearing the diaper and running around with the gold scissors. I shouldn't be running with these. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. How much and, damage do you think they could do with crimping uh, pliers? <laughs> I'm sure they could probably do just as much damage as they would with scissors. It'd probably be more painful, too. Yeah, probably, and not in the spot where you want it to be. Anywho, Fafa, Matt, how are you guys? Oh, yeah, I'm doing good, Matt. Hopefully you're doing well. As long as my internet stays up, I already had to drop because I couldn't hear certain speakers. Oh, that, that, those rat bastards on the internet. Bleach, my friend, That's... how are you? I'm chilling, man. I'm about to take a bath. Ooh, bath time. Hey, no baths while you're actually co-hosting. Hey, you know what that means? Permission. Take a bath, you know, that means sitting in a tub, you know, listening like a king, man. That's that's what that means, man. Chilling. There you go. Hey, you know what? If he can do it, more power to him. We start off this wonderful evening and agenda tonight with uh, talking about our uh, not-so-good friend, China. And how their stock market is just falling and failing at the exact same time. I wonder if it has anything to do with a certain court case that's coming up on the 29th. Chaotic. <laughs> yeah, so I have been talking about it since last week, right? We know after last week uh, that the CCP has turned off short selling. Uh, at least temporarily, it's. I just noticed I had a spelling mistake in my my screenshot up there. But uh, towards like the end of the week yesterday, I said, "Okay, this week, keep your keep your eyes on Hang Sen, and uh, because we're gonna see some pretty wacky activity. Obviously, there's a lot of unnatural things happening right now, but we're also seeing BlackRock. I don't know if you guys saw the update today. I'll go pull the the tweet from Unusual Whales. BlackRock is fire selling 
uh, their real estate at a 30% discount right now. Uh, there are companies that are pumping hundred, uh, oh, you know, hundreds of percent for absolutely no reason. There's crazy activity happening, and everyone's trying to run out of China because, like, now where they can't short things, there's like no purpose for them to really stick around there unless they're, you know, they're holding a bag, you know. Uh, but I mean, they can't monetize the failure since they can't short. So it like literally like takes the wind out of their sails. But I have I saw one of their California. I saw one of their California collateral commercial buildings or whatever sold at 50%. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, they're starting at 30%. That's how they're marketing it. They're marketing it at a 30% discount. That doesn't mean that when they get to the the table and actually do the deal that it's not negotiated lower. You always haggle on real estate. It just doesn't. It doesn't matter if it's already on sale. You always you always haggle. And nobody still wants it or can even afford it. Well, I mean, it's China's not a great place to be right now, uh, where there's a lot of uh, military activity happening in places all over the world. Um, there are a lot of uh, questions about how the future of our relationship with China is going to look, as they seem to be aligning with Russia. And the whole thing with BRICS could potentially be something that we have to be concerned about economically. But they need uh, to implement some ghost bidders to help them out there. I'm sure they could find some that would take a cut of the up percentage. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have terminal screenshots that I have saved from I want to say it was December of 2021. I'll find those two and put them in the put them in the jumbotron. But it's uh, over 100. If people want to act like this situation in China is going to stay isolated to China, that it's going to be uh, contained within Chinese markets and then it won't bleed over. But, you know, these terminal screenshots came from right before Evergrande filed bankruptcy, uh, like the first time, which <laughs> I feel like it's kind of been Groundhog's Day with them a little bit. Every time I turn around, it's another like, bankruptcy announcement i'm like how many times are you gonna yell it before you actually do it we all know you're bankrupt you've been bankrupt how many times it's like once a quarter we're bankrupt it's like dude we know we know but they recycle it like it's new news because like i i just it's very frustrating but now um you know it looks like we're actually kind of at the end of the line here because there there's not like they can't prop it up anymore. And China is looking to other places in the world for bailout money that nobody has. And the reason why they're looking to international investors is because like, you know, they're part of the problem why this has happened. But I have uh, the reason why I can tell you without a shadow of a doubt or beyond a shadow of a doubt that it's not going to stay contained is because the the terminal screenshots from the Bloomberg terminal system have over 125 financial institutions internationally holding mega bags on Evergrande. And that was right before they filed BK. They're locked into this. Can I, can I add a little bit to that right now? Chaotic. Sure. Yeah, I got to breathe. I'm so excited. <laughs> so I, I had a space, I had a space earlier today and Nachi and I were kind of talking a little bit about this. And one of the things that uh, we have to remember is how much BlackRock and how much HSBC was involved with this and Citadel as well. They, they have BlackRock owns a majority of the actual uh, business office construction that's in China. They have a lot of money poured into it, into the actual bond market as well when it comes to Evergrande. And HSBC is one of the funding liquidators that actually put a lot of money into 
the same thing. And we know that there's some ties with their bonds and the ownership of those bonds that was actually part of Archegos that got switched over to UBS over time. And Citadel has a lot of money involved as well. There's a bunch of banks that are interconnected, whether it's dark or lit, it doesn't matter. Every yeah. single bank, family office, hedge fund, they're all connected to it. And well, they've all rehypothecated this collateral. For all intents and purposes, this is 125 documented, confirmed, public, well, semi-public, public on a professional level, bag holders. Nope. Yes. The but, and what you don't see is going to be in addition. This is just like, this is the baseline. Now, when they have them security bonds, whatever, right? Mm -hmm. They were hold the maturity term value on their balance books. Now, they expired, but they're in like court getting extensions on default and all that stuff. Are they still on their books at HTM value or once they get into this process, are they zeroed out already? No, no they have to HTM, they're still at HTM value. Yeah, I mean, that's where the problem lies is they get those extended out. The contracts can't expire until the, the court case is finished. But that's where they're losing value is because it's, they it hasn't afford to zero value on that balance sheet because they no, don't have anybody to cover that exposure. Yeah. And, and on top of that, keep in mind when I was saying stuff like BlackRock and stuff as ownership. Now imagine that BlackRock, with the money that they had, I think they invested about 25 to 30% into them. Mm -hmm. Imagine how much they own le legitimately in America as well. Keep in mind that BlackRock had been buying up real estate, you know, residential real estate for that matter in America. And they were getting pennies on a dollar renting out those those homes and they couldn't actually rent them out or sell them for that matter. So if they're losing money over there and they can't liquidate any of the assets they have over here and they have so much over leveraged here, when that falls over there, they lose that much more in net loss gain when it well, comes you to your that, local stuff. You add to that HB or yeah, H HSBC. HS, yeah. Yeah. They just they're they're getting fine hand over fist over the last year. One for uh futures manipulation and all this other stuff. But the latest one is a huge fucking drug money laundering account ring that constituted about a billion dollars in deposit laundering revenue, you know, monies that are basically gone now. So they're losing all their corrupt deposit value, which yeah. is deposit liquidity against debt balance. So well, add to and that keep lines, which are to the tunes of billions of dollars when you add them all up of the yeah, last three, four quarters. HSBC London is the main main backer that helped UBS and they were the ones tied to with the direct bonds at Archegos. And then you add HSBC International, which is over in Japan and China. And they are the ones that usually push a lot of different things when it comes to their tech, specifically things like, you know, if you look at uh, uh, what's a good example? Um, well, actually, one of HSBC International was a heavy hitter when it came to the automotive like Nissan. Um, if they were not able to continue business as usual because they lost that kind of money, then imagine what kind of effects it has either A, on the auto industry or B, on, on the tech side of things. Uh, chip manufacturing, which could affect Apple. 
you know, so keep those in mind because you don't have the money you were getting about their EV department that ever. Well, yeah, I know a lot of that EV department was also based off a lot of the, the models that things like, uh, NVIDIA and Apple, because the, because the chip, uh, requirements that it took and the development, they actually had that partnership with them to be able to build the technology to be able to have those EV vehicles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's so just the, right the other part that we're also forgetting about is who is BlackRock's also subsidiary that also purchased all these properties at 50 grand above list Blackstone. What happened to Blackstone? Anybody know? Cause I do. Oh, they ate they a just, big fat shit sandwich when the market did. They sure did. It's because of Zillow's algorithm being a piece of shit. They also lost out on their on that credit default um, from Credit Suisse. The mm-hmm. same default swaps that Saudi lost all their value on. Yep, Blackstone lost on that along with Invesco, which is BlackRock and and the other Pent European fund, which was uh, yeah, Black, Vanguard and BlackRock. Invesco is the one I forget what the other huge pension entity is but yeah blackstone was a huge part of them bond losses too and you guys hear a funny zillow story really quickly please this is a funny zillow slash carvana story because it's basically the same problem in two different industries so y'all know I'm i'm a real estate investor for a minute there while zillow was buying up houses like the word got out that they were overpaying people were buying the shittiest shittiest properties just to feed them to zillow they were just oh, filling up Zillow full of overpriced trash. Yeah, but the thing is, the so banks funny. won't be held liable for that because they bought them under the pretense that they were residential. And so they yep. can actually default on the loan value, the contract value that they sold off on the, on the pretense that, wait a minute, you sold this as a, as a residential contract swap and you sold it for commercial use. So they can actually, like, sue the shit out of both the bank and the customer that that, per, that made the contract between themselves and not doing due diligence and, and labeling the loan value on the property correctly. They actually, the other part that they can sue on as well is the NMLS because those contracts are supposed to be underwritten and also reviewed and approved by them so basically you got a whole whirlwind of shit on that problem anyhow carvana also did the same thing uh ron's little brother got a hold of god i forget it was a ford something or other it was it he got it under under price because the person he got it from couldn't afford to to keep it i swear he had it for about 48 hours maybe before uh, Carvana wanted to buy it from him and he made a cool 10k on the profit too with way overpaying for cars for sure what's happening to Carvana too it's the same thing they're not do- they're not well, doing what I don't like vending machine car dealers <laughs> is that what is that why uh, cars.com is getting into the vendor business yeah yeah well and the other th- I think that was happening with Carvana too is they were getting in huge trouble you can go look that there are huge 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 regulatory issues with some of the cars uh, they were selling stolen cars. They were selling t- uh, cars that had been totaled to, due to flood damage. They weren't checking the title history. So yeah, like Carvana got into some uh, some situations with their their car buying program, just like Zillow got into problems with the house buying program. So they, 
car skunk instead of car fox? Yep, pretty much. It's the the car flood. Uh, Robert, I don't want your hand to fall off. <laughs> uh, but first of all, I'll say this. At least uh, I'll be getting car before uh, 2000. For 2000 what? I think you got a phone call or he bleeped out for a second. Yeah, the yeah, dealer is calling on the dealer. Hey, hold on. So that was what I wanted to kind of touch on with the whole Blackstone, BlackRock thing when it came to purchasing homes. So a lot of the things that they had done over here, now they had, you know, legitimately paid 50 to 100,000 more than what the actual home was actually selling for in certain areas. But another thing they actually did in my area was they actually bought residential homes that actually were zoned for business space. And, you know, the, yeah, they had built some of that stuff, but when they rezoned everything in certain areas, um, because of the growth of the cities and stuff, a lot of that got re retitled. And yeah, my, so they ended up buying a lot of that. My house is considered residential commercial, so we can actually use it as a commercial business property. But right now, as the house sits, we have it labeled as residential, obviously. But we could basically run a business out of our house, go to the bank and say, hey, and zone off, you know, a certain, you know, percentage of our house as a, as a commercial business. And, it, and that's what, like, zoning for its commercial slash residential yeah, but the problem is this got rezoned as business primarily. So they ended up buying stuff that they could not actually liquidate. And uh, so Zillow uh -huh. had a huge number. Yeah, so Zillow yeah, had a huge number of stuff like that. You can't go back to just residential. Nope, you cannot. And even cross-blending like that is next to impossible to get a conventional mortgage or an FHA mortgage because you have to rezone that area so it's not commercial. Yeah, so basically what it is, I'm in a building up area, and there's industries around me, and, and there's commercial around me. So what mm -hmm. they want to do is they want a commercial business to go title it as a commercial property. But until somebody does, it sells as a residential house to whoever buys or sells the house until somebody comes. Now, once somebody comes along and, and titles it under under commercial label, you can never mm -hmm. go back to residential. The whole point of a residential commercial is to change the title to just commercial. Yeah, but you would still, if it was a residential per, a buyer that's purchasing the property, if there's any commercial that's on said title or zoning, then it has to be zoned residential for you to be able to get a conventional mortgage or a, re, a residential mortgage. If it's and not, a living, if not a living commercial residence. Correct. Uh, bleach. Then Just Sura, one quick thing added. I wanted to add. Go with ahead. With them home mortgages and all this crap with the with the bond lending and stuff. I mean, if you remember two thousand eight, I don't know if people know this. AIG is owned by Citadel. Uh, only because of what reason? That do you remember? Because they went default on their on their hedge. Uh, uh, insurance value against the defunct resident uh commercial or it, it was a home, so home. all banks yeah. into them to cash out on their hedge losses with the aig insurance and the aig didn't have the money to pay the entire fucking world for all their losses and they went bankrupt and then citadel came in 
stepped in and how Citadel did that is they actually did uh, real estate loans to mortgage banks. So in turn, what happened is when the mortgage banks went under and they were in debt to Citadel, when the banks got their bailout, that bailout got forwarded as payment on the loan values that Citadel gave them. And that's how Citadel survived. They took a big yeah. fucking hit, but they well, you're missing start our over. And they also swapped out some of that debt value in order to provide liquidity in turn owning AIG. Yeah. So basically the, the one step you missed is that they actually took the insurance premiums that were due and actually covered them, swapped them out and were able to waive them through the actual, uh, basically the kickbacks by the government. So, you know, AIG was, so Citadel doesn't own a hundred percent, by the way, they own something like 85%. They, they still have some, uh, the key investors that are purposes when AIG is held to account for all this credit default swap insurance balances. That's gonna, they're going to say 80%. Take it. So just it's 80. Okay. Yeah. yeah I, I thought it was 85. Um, but that's a key kicker because remember AIG was the one thing that should have actually failed because during 2008, because they couldn't cover all the expenses of the mortgage-backed securities and all the things that happened during the stock market crash. And they right. were actually insurance a lot of it, but they did get the kickback from the government, but they also got the kickback from, like I said, they, they got Citadel to take a lot of their, their problem and was able to pay it off and Citadel saved money, saved AIG, and then took it over. And so what HS, it, HSBC also took a lot of that liability when they bought out and took over Lehman Brothers. They did, but that, Citadel, Lehman Brothers couldn't claim that's fault on AIG. That's why Citadel was able to, because remember, Citadel was a too big to fail bank. Or it wasn't a too big to fail bank and how they were able to get that too big to fail status was by doing what they did with AIG. I got bleach, then Sure. Hold on, I gotta get the hands. Bleach, yeah. Sure, and then Ed. Bleach. Bleach. And bleach. You use bleach. And we're going to Sure. All right, I'll go quick because I'm, and I've said this before, I'm on the board of credit unions and I've been on the board of banks and what I'm seeing is happening right now is if you've paid off 40% of the time on your loan, then the banks actually got their money back. So if they end up having to call you on that because you're not making your payments, then they own the property or the car or the mortgage or whatever that was and then whatever they can sell that off for is straight profit even if it doesn't match what the loan would have yeah, made over the term owe, they still owe the interest rate on the contract swaps because the first thing i'm, I'm not with disagreeing that with that that's that's not what i'm i'm not disagreeing with that i'm right. just saying to get it off of your balance sheet you sell that loan and you package it with something else so that somebody else takes on that last responsibility because these are these are toxic loans. You know you're not going to make all your money back. So you package it and you sell it. And that's happening a lot because even if the bank just makes back the $400,000 house price that you bought, they're even. 
they made a bad deal. But then if they can sell that to someone else that takes the fall if you can't fucking finish it, then they're so out of the liability of that. Story, on a foreclosed property, for the most part, like for the properties I've done here in Illinois, the properties that I've done in Texas. So say you have a $400,000 property. They normally, the owners of that property usually gut the shit out of that thing. They will take the, the whole kitchen minus the cabinets. They'll take, you know, some of them take the countertops depending on if they were granted or not. And yeah, the copper out of the walls, the, yeah, the wiring. So now you're basically going from 400,000 to like, uh, buck 90 to 220 roughly and as long as they're able to make that money back on that foreclosed sale then th the bank doesn't give a crap they'll push that thing out as fast as they possibly can because at least they're making something that that's what i'm agreeing with because yeah. in the long run they've got their money back and they've got out of it and they made a profit correct but then correct. but then Right now, Aren't what you're seeing obligated to pay the interest on that swap deal for the next, you know, half of 30 years is still 15 years. It depends on what it depends on what debt obligation that they put packaged it. In. Right. Yeah. It depends on how they negotiate that that package. Yeah, it's all dependent on what they're packaging in together with those. And if there's any tranches that are also within those as well to go ahead and get it to where it was. Bleach, I don't want your hand to go dead. Yeah, you know, we just, we just one more little thing to add, you know what I mean? Uh, go ahead. No, I just actually want to say, you know, I see Asar is up here. I know that he's been sick, you know, for a couple of days. He sounded like he was dying and shit from a new, like, zombie virus or some shit, man, but. Are you all right, SR, man? Throw me some thumbs up, man. I know you said the family was uh, not doing good as well. Oh, SR. Do I need to play the man's kitchen for you? Hey, SR, man, like, you know, what's up? You guys doing good? Throw me a thumbs up, man. Let me know that you're there, man. Uh, he's good. Yeah, he's mine. All right, good. Yeah, he came in my space earlier. Oh, yeah, he's talking about... Uh, I'm going to fight him up anyway, because I want to hear about the Benford man kitchen. Some funny characters up there in that space, man, but... Uh, um. Sorry, I'm glad you're doing better, buddy. I'm happy about that, man. <clears throat> oh, man. That zombie virus got you. Oh, yeah, look, man. <laughs> yeah, it got me. And then, and then he's here. You should be asleep, man. That's what you should be doing, man. That's dedication there, buddy. I have slept since Saturday night. <laughs> Don't worry. I'll play you. I'll play you some Binford Man Kitchen, Man's Bathroom, something along those lines. Tonight, just for you. <laughs> That's good, man. And how are the kids doing? The kids doing good. The, the kids are the kids are fine. They're healthy as hell. I'm here dying. That's for the good thing about days. being young, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my daughter and I have been sick as hell, but they're just trucking right along. <laughs> yeah, you know when I, I I'm not usually a person that gets sick anymore. I used to get sick all the time, like really all the time. But ever since, you know, I started like, you know, you know, you believe in bullshit like when people tell you, oh, take this and then you do it for one day and it's not like that. So I started actually, actually like eating a lot of healthy things that have helped me a lot through, you know, I guess through the, I haven't got sick in like seven years, man. I, don't, I think I, I think I have gotten sick in the last four years. I probably got sick twice. And that was because of my daughters. So, you know, get used to drinking a lot of like water with the lemon. If you don't believe me, that's OK. But just take it every day, every day, sir, every day. I encourage Carlin to approach. 
I exposed myself to everything and anything out there. Damn, man. Forever. That's crazy. See, I wouldn't. I'm not like Matt. Matt, you know, that's extreme right there. All right. <laughs> you don't want to do that. That's yeah, extreme. I want to let everybody know uh, people are sending me hearts and, and thumbs up and hundreds and stuff like that. Uh, I'm trying to send them back. I don't know if they're they're showing or not. I'm not showing that they're showing, but I'm trying. I'm sending. You still have that voodoo phone? <laughs> I still got that phone. <laughs> but the, I'm take still a lot of magnesium so that the water. T- <laughs> take a lot of magnesium so that the water actually absorbs into hey, the cells. Know. Because if you don't have enough magnesium, the water just passes through as piss. I've been taking a lot of magnesium. I I've been taking a lot of magnesium. We're yelling at murder mode. <laughs> oh, my murder's up here. Hey, man. <laughs> real, real quick, murder. Ed's head's about to fall off, man. I gotta get to Ed. Ed. Uh, so before we go to the next one, uh, just read what I posted up top. Uh, I've been seeing people DM me and, and others post it as well in DMs. But FDIC attorney pleads guilty to conspiring to sexually exploit numerous children. Guys, this is the financial system. This is Wall Street right here at its best. This is Wall Street at their best. Actually, that's <clears throat> they do this disgusting, actually, evil, hey. psychopathic stuff. And it was more than just one. Yeah, oh, right. It's, it's, it, it was it was a ring. It it, it was a, an exploit ring, and he was just connected to it. I, I don't know what the the obsession is. That's just absolutely wrong in every way, shape, and form. They're psychopaths. That's what's wrong. We're we're yelling at murder, Mo. Hey, so I actually just came up here just to point something out. Um, so basically. So you guys realize, like, you, have you ever noticed all these people who complain about their investment, right? That how they're down. Let's let's just let's let's paint a scenario, right? Let's let's just and I, and I don't feel this way at all. Let's just say that Adam Aaron, you know, screwed everybody over. Let's just say that, right? And and you're long on the play. Now now tell me if this makes any sense. If you're long on the play, right? Uh-huh. But you know that Ken Griffin controls the stock price. And and you're frustrated at Adam Aaron because he didn't he didn't do what you wanted him to do. Now, does it make sense for you to come onto a social media platform and publicly, you know, like pretty much admit that you know this investment is a bad investment does that make any sense to give uh you know kenny boy any kind of firepower so that you can lose on your long investment does does that make any sense like it does if you're trying to stop other investors from getting into a play because the, the interesting thing about it is they always talk about what happened last year what happened in well, 21? Well, here's the what thing, happened? Matt. Supposedly, the thing is, we're not in 21 and 22. We are in 23, and the right. stock is dollars, and the book right. looks and good. Here's the thing, though. Supposedly, you can't see that. Find stock supposedly, right now. but that's not financial advice. That's just know what the fuck their angle is. Right. That's what. That's exactly my point. Like, if if you're a long investor, why would you want to give? the other side of the the investment 
more fire. Go, can you go over there, please? More firepower, you know, against your investment. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? If you're a long you investor, why are you talking against the person who is working for you rather there's, than being supportive? There's two options there. There's two options there, Marta. Right. You see my point? Oh no, why, I got you. I got your point. I'm gonna give you I'm gonna give you the two options. Even if you right? feel some type of way about Adam Aaron, why would you publicly be out here talking shit about your investment and going against it where you're you're giving the, the enemy more firepower so that you can lose? Don't that forget Blackstone went under this week. I'm gonna make this easy, murder. This is two options, right? And like I said, like, and you're very well versed, right? Because this is that thing is, it's not, people think that when somebody gets a compliment to somebody else, it's, that's just recognition, right? And you know, there's that saying that real recognize real or whatever that is. That is true if you think about it, right? When you hear somebody, when you hear what they're thinking, the way that they're processing their thoughts and they're telling you what their words and their sentence, you notice like, oh shit, like, you know, this guy gets it. That's why a lot of apes, you know, they bump, you know, shoulders with each other, like, yo, I feel you, my dog. Like, I feel what you're saying. Why? Because all of us are connected somehow through the same dream that we're projecting, right? But look at this, right? The two options that you got on these apes, right? And I always call these guys, I remember. In the planet of the apes, the fake apes that sold out, the apes, right? They got the human tag on their back. Remember that. You know why? Because the fucking psyop of the humans, right? It worked on them. They never believed that Caesar was going to fucking take them, you know, and with all of them. Caesar kept telling them, yo, apes together strong, motherfucker. That's what he said. And they didn't believe that the ones that they sold them out. They didn't believe Caesar, right? So what happened? Caesar sacrificed everything. But he saw his family, which is his son, and the rest of the apes make it right to the end. But that's the thing. Look at the apes at the end of that picture. That's what I want you to look at, you know, murder. That's the first option. The first option you got is those apes that are fake apes that they think that they're apes because they're still holding shares. I feel you. You're holding shares. You know, you're an ape, technically, right? But you sold those out. Why? Because you're going against your investment. You have a human tag on your back, man. You're not a real ape. You have a human tag on your back, buddy. You know what That's I mean? Point exactly. And then, like, you know what the second rather, option is? Rather than, rather than helping, you know, your investment by supporting the company, supporting the apes, you would rather talk shit about it and it and, and it actually affects your investment. How does right. that make any sense as a long-term investor? Because to it me, doesn't. To me, it doesn't. it doesn't make any sense. To me, you know, that and, and that's the thing. Story. But to you, to you and I, that's what I keep saying. To you and I, it doesn't make any sense. Why? Because we understand the fucking assignment. All the apes, like Matt just said, like new people, new investors, because this is the thing about the new investors coming in, right? And this is coming, right, mind you, this is coming from somebody who doesn't have any financial background. But I have a fucking very good understanding of, of a movement of coming, right? Imagine you got new fucking people coming into the stock. What that's going to create? More buzzwords, more, more people coming in, more fucking eyes, more ears, more mouths to talk about the fucking business, right? And that creates a snowball. That brings in more people. And that's exactly what they don't want. So to everybody else, including apes that have been in here, right? It, it, the PSYOP works on them. It works on them. Oh, Adam Marin is going to screw you up. And I, I like that analogy, what you gave. Because I said the same analogy before. If Adam Aaron goes down, like, do, what do I, I asked my wife this before. What do, if I was a betting man and I ask her, please, because she's separated from the stock. She doesn't, she really, she knows everything about it because I tell her, but she's not like involved like I am. Right. So she has a, like a pure mindset. So I ask her, what would you put your bet 
from everything I have told you about Adam Aaron. Do you believe that Adam Aaron is going to go down as one of the biggest scam artists to ever live in the history of men? Or do you believe that he's going to go down as one of the fucking best human beings that ever lived? Which one would you put your bet on? Right? And that's as simple as that. If you think he's going to fucking screw you over, that's that's your fucking opinion. And that's it. You're done. It, it, that's why this this is not a fucking game like you said before. It's not a game. This is fuck. I call it the game because the game is you and I. If you decide to be the fucking chips or you're the player, decide what you are, right? But at the end of the day, these apes that are crying about their investment and going against their investment, it's the same, it's the same thing I think of a person that has a sickness that is rooted for the sickness to kill them. Matt. Just to add to narrative since we brought it up. All right. So right now the stock is fluctuating between just above four and five dollars right now whether you believe in the board believe in adam aaron or not current pricing all right let me ask you this do you think the board and adam aaron are going to sit on their currently locked up 80 percent pay stock issuance in lieu of pay and sell it at four or five dollars no no so which way is this stock going to go from here It's a no-brainer. They're not going to fucking let the stock sit at 4 and $5 when it comes time for, for their, their uh, 80% of their annual pay to get released from the lockup term. They're going to want that stock at least in the $15, $20, $25, $40 range like they did the last time so they can capitalize on their pay-issued uh, uh, stock. So whether or not you believe or don't believe in what they're doing believe this <laughs> if you sold it fucking four five six eight fucking dollars then maybe you should shut the fuck up and just waited it out waited for them to sell theirs to announce the sale of theirs and then got out before they scout if that's what you believe they're doing then that's what you should have acted on who that was me, my bad. What the fuck? Yeah, why are you doing that, Jared Bleach? Don't fucking cry to me because you nope, fucking funny because you couldn't fucking hodl or you didn't sell at the prices that you could have or that you believed in a squeeze or or stopped believing in a squeeze or that you got in. It's the fucking stock market. Put your big fucking boy pants on and take some self-responsibility for your own fucking actions, for your own conviction, for your own due diligence, and your own choices. I'm tired of the fucking world being a low me. You're not a fucking victim unless you make yourself a victim. And if you're a victim of your own actions, don't come fucking crying to me. I don't want to hear it. Hold on. Now that, that, that deserves another... Keep in mind that these people oh. are over the age of 30, 40 years old, you know what I'm saying? A majority of the people who are investors are, are fucking grown-ups already. <laughs> and they come on to social media to cry like little kids. It's, it's, cry, wine, bitch. I pooped my pants. Ridiculous. I'm so bad. Uh, it, it, it's... It, it's the same song and dance. Life is different for everybody, guys. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. My whole point about what I'm trying to say is 
as a long investor, you, you should always be supporting your investment. Anything that goes against it, you're giving the enemy some kind, some kind of type of firepower. You see what I'm saying? Giving so him ammunition. Yeah. So to me, you're, you're really not here for us. You're here as a short. You might be real. You might be short. You know what I'm saying? That's that's that's. that's hey, murder, cause keep keep thinking it like this, man. There's another saying, right? Like you hold for me, I hold for you, right? Remember, I keep telling you guys this, man. Like the real apes, they showing themselves. Like you know, they're gonna they're gonna show, right? So like, if those people that are really worried, like, look, I bet you all of us are fucking down at this point. There's not a single person probably that's positive unless you buy right now. A lot of us are probably down hundreds of thousands, thousands, or whatever the fuck, even millions, or like Shook Kush, that you're down 10 figures and shit. You know what I mean? I feel, I, you know, I feel you. But the thing is, remember, it's the selfish ones that are always the most worried. The selfish ones is the ones that you got to worry about. That's why I don't associate with no selfish motherfuckers, man. Even though at the end of the day, I know we like to say, oh, that day when the bonus happens, you're going to be by yourself. Yeah, I get it. Because it's only going to be you that's going to push that button. But you're not going to be by yourself, dog. You're not. Because if you're saying that you're saying that you're by yourself right now on a space call, you're saying that you're a lone wolf and shit. Like, you see what I mean? Like, I get that we like to say this buzzword because it sounds fucking cool. But we're not alone, man. Hey, you got to hold, man. You got to hold the fucking line. Remember what Mark Bond said, man, that day in the fucking short. We're going to hold until they break. Because you know why he said that? Because he fucking understood where he the fuck he had him at. So, SR, please, go ahead. <laughs> Oh, I love the energy. Uh, no, I, uh, I I put it out on a post, uh, what I think. And uh, even though I think it's going to happen a lot sooner, uh, the company's going to be debt-free in three years. <clears throat> or it has a great possibility of being debt-free in three years, which leads the option of a dividend uh, right there on the table. And everybody knows it, institutions and retail. And I think what a lot of this crying that you hear, and some of it may be shorts, okay? But I think what a lot of this crying that you hear is some of these deep pockets trying to grab as many shares as they possibly can while it's down here, while it's dropping, because they're not going to be able to hang on to all these shares when the price per share goes up. And they're going to want a huge stake for that dividend. And they're going to want to be able to sell some when it goes up and make a profit <clears throat> on that. Good old zombie, like, zombie disease. <laughs> I'm not another. Just, this is a quick story. But 2021, after the first January, I didn't get in until March. From March to June, and this is no reflection on anything current. So this is three years ago. This was then. I always say them was then, not now. Anyhow, I had $3,000 invested in AMC, and it ran to seventy-two. and my $3,000 investment was worth $22,000. My exposure, I'll just say, is a lot higher now than it was then, and $22,000 is definitely not my goal. But when you talk about the, the exposure to the the reward and you look at the price point now to then and the revenue now to then and the debt load that we unwound between then and now right are you, are mm -hmm. you seeing the picture i'm painting here 
for you for them to come to these spaces and act like this is a fucking zombie stuff that's going that's that, that they can't even say is going bankrupt anymore they'll even admit it's not going bankrupt well it's not going to generate any dude get the fuck out of here with that wait you think we're just going to pay interest on debt and be net revenue negative forever but we're not going bankrupt it can't be both it's one or the other either get the debt paid off because you're making revenue and as you pay off debt you make more net or you give all your money to fucking the debt and have zero revenue but you know, we already know that that's not the case because of all the expedited capital that they've been putting out for the last year to earn new revenue streams so to sit there and look at the net profit when they're basically spending their net to lower the debt for future net and spending what would have been net to create more business uh exposure to other net gain assets so that they can pay off the debt right now grant you it was at the expense of retail but that's what we signed up for we basically said back then they're doing a toys r us they're doing a sears they're doing a kmart to amc and i'm going to give amc the money they need for them not to have that happen to throw it in their face and say you're not shorting another 100 year american company into the fucking graveyard fuck you right and we got through the hardest part of it took longer than i thought but with all the everything that was fucking going on the fact that we didn't give them the liquidity to raise the cash when the price was what it was it's all then it's not now this is where we're at now to come onto these spaces and act like you're gonna lose your fucking ass at four dollars a share for a company that's already got through the worst of it what the fuck are they gonna do to me now they took 90 percent of my profit they dropped it 50 percent what's 50 percent and nine percent it's not 50 percent it's like oh you dropped me another 5.5 percent you dropped me another five percent on te- on 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 the ten percent that i have left of my initial investment not of the shares that i bought since but that's for you to figure out put your big boy pants on look at it learn it do your own dd i'm not a fucking financial advisor but i know one thing Twenty-two thousand and twenty-one wasn't enough and it sure as hell is 22,021 wasn't enough and it sure as hell isn't going to be enough now and I compounded that by multiples because guess what my belief based on what I'm looking at dividends are coming this is the only time pretty much in AMC's history that they haven't paid a dividend well I'm going to talk about what I think later on because it's going to be gold in my opinion but i'm going to go to ed and ed's going to talk about some bitcoin problems yeah i mean if everybody is seeing already with with the spy in bitcoin it's directly correlated with the big seven i mean because economy is booming it's so good binomics bitcoin reaches to a new potential and then it what dumps it's it's i think it's very interesting how you know you could see the uh 
what the, the time that the announcement even was happening with with BlackRock <coughs> trying to um, th- th- basically needing liquidity with Citadel and then you know the whole ETF thing and the timing of that very interesting and how all that Bitcoin pumping hitting 49k I mean that's <laughs> and now it's down what 11 11 10k Ooh, How I mean, much that do you think was federal bank funding, though, to the central bank to buy up the crypto that they had to liquidate from FTX's bankruptcy? Zero. I, I, yeah. I think they created a pump purposely in order to create liquidity value to yeah, pay off for FTX, by so. FTX. And FTX no. dumped on that value once they got it to a price point that would that would pay everybody. All the no, and, that, and I'm going to tell you, still ongoing, isn't it? Yes, it's it still is. ongoing. It's crazy. Yeah, and I'll tell you why I say no, there, Matt. Um, because first off, there's multiple things. Ed just brought up one thing, and that was the actual Bitcoin ETFs. So what they were doing was they were trying to get people involved so they can get. Uh, Basically, the ETF started, but keep in mind, what is the main purpose of these ETFs? So the ETFs are a primary source of liquidity, first off, but two, it's a primary source of shorting. That's what people don't realize is why why do you create an ETF? It's because a lot of people like to play the game and gamble on the volatility going down or up, depending on which way they play it. I can put that easier. The Bitcoin ETF. The Bitcoin ETF was nothing more than an a mirror token, but for Bitcoin. Yes, but but a lot of people use it as a primary source to short. If you look at a lot of ETFs, the foundation for them are usually go against the grain, and they actually have ETFs for pretty much anything right. and everything. That's because the ETF value isn't actually the underlying of the ETF. You're betting on the firm to succeed or not succeed based on what they. Invest well, perfect example ETF is has underlying assets, but the owner of the ETF don't actually hold the assets. The firm does. Um, it's tokenized. The thing. It's tokenized. And what that does is it mirrors what they're doing. And in this case, ETFs, primarily, if you look like the meme ETF, the meme ETF is usually in a way to draw liquidity and push down the stock price. So it's the same way with the actual uh, Bitcoin. Right. It's so they created it's yeah they're trying to short the shit out of basically bitcoin so when they pumped up bitcoin to 49 ed can attest to this they were using it a way to open the door for them to be able to come back and then short it as soon as it hit the market and they were doing that for liquidity grabs so that they can actually maintain and then purchase the and now i'm going to say this ed you probably saw this so they have a current uh, ceiling of 21 million Bitcoin. They've actually announced that they're going to kill the ceiling and create more. Why do they do that? So that they can actually open up these ETFs and actually have something to back it and have that new uh, token mirror and have it actually higher so more people can get involved because they're trying to open it up to steal more retail investors' money. 
what that does is it drops the price lower. So Ed talked about yeah, this they're earlier. They're, they're diluting the source asset. Yes. Holders by creating a new asset value through diluted liquidity yeah. supply. But it, it, it goes hand in hand with both the creation of new tokens and also the pushing down of the ETF through shorting. So keep in mind, Ed, you talked about 38,000 as a key level. After you brought that up, and I was actually looking at it earlier, I'm anticipating it to drop to the next level, and that's 32,300 in that area. So keep in mind that two things happen with you know Bitcoin. And uh, so they had a flash crash on Bitcoin Cash today and a few others, Axel um, and a few others they were trying to use this as a way to put liquidity back into the system to try to prop up the spy and also to try to prop up the nasdaq if you guys saw that nasdaq at one point was like 1.5 percent or was it 1.5 percent at one point i saw today down they were trying to see if they can get it pumping back up wasn't working there's not many that actually were really running well today there was three that actually did run and then actually DWAC and Foon actually ran heavily today because of what's going on with, you know, uh, the primaries. But everything else was pretty much having a hard day and, and uh, especially a lot of crypto. Ed, you, I saw your post earlier. So really that's what's, what's happening is they're, they're getting ready to blow up Bitcoin. I think what they're going to do is they're getting ready for, what is it? They, uh, Every four years, Ed, do you remember on that? Because the fund, the fund, it's not, it's not Trump or Trump associated. I don't think one's tied to the other. I think Trump's election prospect or what pumped them up because Getter also fucking pumped up. So um, it's MAGA. But, you can't stop MAGA. Well, it's because Trump had been part of or supported or helped use them for specific purposes. So keep in mind that fun was part of the. Um, app promise of Truth Social. Yeah, and DWAC was, was the funding. They were supposed to merge with DWAC, but the SEC stepped in with legality shit and stopped the merger. Yeah. Oh, I understand that, but but DWAC was also the actual funding to be able to bring that to pass. So, I, I'm I'm those were the only reasons why those are running. Everything else was pretty much red or blood red. So, um, key key thing I wanted to bring up is I. There is a cycle that Bitcoin has every four years, roughly, and it's uh, and what what do they call it? Oh God, um, the having or what? what are you talking yeah, about? the having, the having. Yeah, except it's That's, not. It, the the lie was it's every two years. It's actually yeah, every but, three years. It's not four. It's not, or two. A, it's not on a specific timeline. It's a yeah, it's been, not a specific timeline, but it, it's a frequency. Yeah. There is a frequency happening on it. But every yeah, time it gets spiked up with the market, like the spy and the big seven, the big caps, it, it, it always eventually recedes down to a newer low. Always, especially yeah. if you look back to like what it did, what crypto did back in May of 2021, this is going to be the same sort of event where it gets completely busted down. But, people, but you see, you see, it's completely the opposite. It's completely the opposite of what what is being said on on social media. That's why I keep talking about it because they say like, oh, you Bitcoin to 100k or Bitcoin to 200k. This is why it was it, th this sort of sentiment was pushed on by 
you know, the, they needed this. The Black Rocks, the Citadels, they needed this this crypto liquidity. They needed it because they're so in trouble. And that's why they kept exactly, pumping NVIDIA to all-time exactly, highs, Google, all this stuff. It's doing exactly what the government created it for. Well, I'm going to tell you. So now the speculation is, um, and this is part of my opinion, I believe that before the next halving, we're going to be back in the, the teens. And the oh, reason for like the showcasing 8K for me. Yeah. Okay. 8K. Well, I was thinking 13 to 15. Um, so, so the having is anticipated between April and the end of May, somewhere around there is roughly the date time period. And rumors, what I'm hearing is that during this next having is when they break the ceiling and start dropping more Bitcoin. Um, mine, not just mining, but raising the actual ceiling up and speculation could be anywhere to be th between 30 and 40, 40 million. So that's a significant jump. And that means it's going to actually wash out Bitcoin's price because once you start throwing that much more Bitcoin on, it's not going to be able to maintain the actual, uh, market cap that it has, um, at first, and then it may go, but but there's with that many more Bitcoin put on the actual market uh, after it's all been um, mined and everything, there's no way that Bitcoin could ever raise that high. I think it's another reason why they wanted to use it as a backing tool for the the uh, CBDCs because they were talking about Bitcoin becoming the CBDC uh, backer, kind of like gold with the dollar back in the day. That's what Larry Fink, I think, said. Yeah, and I've been kind of looking into it, and I do think that he's pretty accurate. Now, so, do you, so think, do you think a gold and silver runaway could deplete from the supply hold of Bitcoin, create a centralized liquidation of Bitcoin in order to get into that gold-silver run? Well, and see, that could be, but I don't, I don't know if there's going to be a correlation and tie unless they can tie something like the ETF with with something that's actually paper bound on gold or silver precious metals. And I don't know if they can actually do that. I think XRP ties into that with their ability to do it worldwide. Correct. Yes. But see percent XRP specifically that mostly I'm not saying the crypto, but the actual technology okay. from Ripple. What? Right. It's a transfer agent. Is Robert yeah, there? No, uh, Robert's here, yeah. But what I'm saying is that... Leach, hold on. Let me say. So, yeah, XRP was what they anticipated to be the CBDC, and Ripple was the technology they used to be able to transfer because it's the quickest, fastest, safest, securest, and it has everything you know that you need to be able to do it. But what they were trying to do was they were trying to have the XRP backed by something of solidified significance. And the, the rumor was it was supposed to be Bitcoin, like gold with the dollar. Oh, see, okay. I was about to ask, but, is that is that other stuff confirmed? You, I thought the it, SEC wanted it as the tether to their new CBDC. See, problem is you can't. They would use Ripple as the CBDC. That's what they were trying to use XRP for. 
was that was going to be the CBDC for the longest time. The transfer engine tether was basically the bond swap crypto collateral for international trade. Not until recently, right? Not necessarily. If you guys remember, go ahead. Uh, the the BIS, the Bank of International Settlements, the CBDC is directly tied to programmable money. It's not tied to any sort of thank you. Like, it's a derivative uh, debt. It's still actually, debt. It, yeah, hey. it can be tied to loan contracts. Hold on, Matt. Give me a second, Matt. Hey, uh, James, can you please drop uh, uh, Roberts and bring it back up, please? Yeah, that's what I'm doing right now. It's still so CBDC. It's still restructured, basketed, toxic debt. It's the same central clearing, but it's just it's digitally it's it's digitally processed and programmable money, which is the power uh, given by the uh, central bankers. That will, that will be the which biggest is issue because that's tokenizing that's already CBDC. tokenizing the derivative debt of those toxic assets because they can just pump up a number and it will. I mean, that's literally the satanic financial system. If you guys want to talk about that's the mark yeah. of the beast because that, that then there's no tracking. They can just put a number digital. That's like ready player one. It's like whoever runs the system, right? Uh, I forgot what the name was. Uh, not Odyssey. What was the name of the, uh, and this, the, the, the world they were in, in ready player one, the Oasis, the Oasis, right? That would be like the, the, the world of the digital world of, of the programmable money by the central bankers. That's the mark of the beast. Yeah. Cortana, they already have that. So Edward, there's one, one thing that Matt brought up. He was talking to tether. Well, I don't know if you guys know that tether actually has gotten to the point where it's gotten devalued because if you guys haven't paid attention tether has been having yeah, some issues recently like, it's the bond swap debt yes and, and what happened is tether are going down to zero and the tether yeah. swap value is being dragged down with it just like when yes but here's the thing man swaps in early 23 yeah but the last time that happened do you remember what happened yeah the luna market crashed with it. Saudi out of money. Luna, the guys on on the run, fucking trying to hide because hey, and so and well, who was, what who I'm was saying, trying to evade that, right? Blackrock and Citadel. Oh, we didn't. Well, yeah, that. but what I'm what I'm saying is when Luna depegged from Tether and crashed from $119 down to mere zero 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 five cents. Um, it depegged because of the same bond cre uh, credit uh, ties that it has, similar to what Tether has with the USD, um, the USDC. So that's that's what I'm saying is that Tether now has gotten to the point of it's collapsing entirely. So if you look at that and watch, you're going to see that there could become a, a another Luna event with Tether, even though Tether's not rated the same it's so, so what's stopping ripple xrp from being the same situation because of they have this literal, secure literal white page is loan value default swap crypto yes and because it's because it's back transfer yeah and and the only difference with xrp compared to tether is the fact that Currently, XRP through Ripple has almost a monetary value because it is trading or transferring physical money, even though it's in the form of a crypto between. It's the like parties. instantly, basically. 
Yeah, it's like me sending you yep. a Venmo. It's it, yeah, it's fully it's fully automatic confirm confirmation clearing. Except yeah. Except for it's also physical money. Cheaper gas fees, so it's less cost. Yeah, but like I said, it's it's also classified as physical currency because because you're using money that's in your bank account to transfer to another bank account. Physical currency, if somebody wants it. Well, but compared to the other cryptos like Tether or to Luna and all that other stuff, this is more classified as an actual paper currency because you're literally transferring from bank to bank. And so they classify it that way under according to the white papers. Well, yeah, they, they credit default swaps have a, have a cash value too that they trade. So, But that's basically what I have to offer. I'm, I'm getting ready for bed guys. Now that actually, uh, actually opens up a good question on what to look into. Because up until now, I agree with everything that's been said. XRP is the contract that will get it done country to country. But what good is their backing and who is doing it? Because you could have another SBF step in and go, okay, here's how we're going to do it. And if it's not really backed by what it says it's backed, it's a joke. And And if it's involved central bankers. Well, that, that was that was what the whole lawsuit was about. The SEC charge on Ripple is that one of the partners in Ripple, who owned a percentage of the Ripple, what decided he didn't like what was going on and he left. Now, when he left, he literally cashed out his percentage of Ripple that he was supposed to be locked into, and that percentage of Ripple that he liquidated was already tied to debt contracts leaving the debt contracts illiquid. And then there was huge lawsuits about, did he have right to that or didn't he? And it was a huge fucking mess. And they locked up the fucking ripple completely. Wouldn't let it trade, locked in the price until they uh, were able to come up with other liquidity to back the the paper swaps that were held as collateral for the ripple contract. It's baked in. Yep. Wait, it sounds very similar. Yeah. Like Alameda of FTX, it's like yeah. so similar. You can't why? be locked in, but then you just why do it do in the think, back door. Yeah, but that's why I'm saying that they're they're talking about using uh, Bitcoin literal ownership of of Bitcoin coin as the backer, and that's why they're raising the ceiling. So I mean, so if they do go with you know XRP as their main form of CBDC which we know Trump the, Trump has said he doesn't want that and he would try to avoid even entirely allowing it. But if they did do this, that's why they're stating that they're going to raise the ceiling on Bitcoin, the amount that can be mined and, and coined so they can back the CBDCs through a valid, to, a valid monetary value of Bitcoin because we know how much that it can fluctuate, but we also know how much it currently is. And there's nothing that's going to match that price. No, no matter what, Ethereum is not going to get there. Bitcoin Cash is not going to get there. Um, Meta is our men. What is it? Mana. Mana is not going to get there. About price. And here's the question I have. All right, a percent gain, a percent loss, a percent gain, or a percent loss. It has nothing to do with the cost of something. 
If something is a dollar and it goes up 50%, you get a 50% gain on your dollars invested, right? Bitcoin goes up 50%, you got a 50% gain of your dollars invested. If you invest $100, you get $150. If you invest, no matter what it is, if it goes up 50%, right? So all these altcoins pretty much go up and down with Bitcoin like it's their fucking mothership. But to say that, you know, nothing moves or is going to gain value like Bitcoin when everything moves as a result of Bitcoin is kind of crazy talk to me because they all move together. I'm saying that nothing will become, nothing will become of the same value. Nothing's going to be 15,000, 20,000, 30,000 like Bitcoin. So the mirror coins are going to depeg from the crypto as far as... Wait, wait, Matt, Matt, what you just said, what I've been kind of pointing out for the past years about the high frequency trading on crypto and the market is why is it so similar, similarly integrated that these are correlated and trading very similarly? And how is like, like you said, the Bitcoin mothership, how it's tracking all these other altcoins with it, right? Well, isn't that interesting? Maybe it wasn't so decentralized to begin with. <laughs> it's like, well, well, okay. So if if these are isn't it interesting how that moves against the in the reverse value of the meme stocks that they're collateralized to. Wait, and and also at the same time, it was pumped literally the time of the pandemic, right after March twenty twenty. And all of it went to like what all time highs went back down and retraced the same way, and the stock market being propped up. I mean, it, it's it's every with the big time it was a liquidity dump. Fucking meme stocks. It's the same high after. frequency trading algorithm, market making, financial institutional criminals that are involved in all of this. Bank movement. wars, currency wars, basically. They're they're all using their own currencies. Liquidity wars. It's liquidity, yeah. You guys want to hear something that's kind of funny that was just presented to me? This is actually, I, I never knew this, but this was hilarious. Market crash. Every time Oreo releases an even greater stuffed cookie, this increasingly depraved debut of Oreos with more stuffing indicates unstable amounts of greed and leverage in the system, serving as an immediate indicator of that the makings of a market crash are in place. Conversely, when the Oreo team reduces the amount of icing in their treats, markets tend to have great bull runs until once again society demands to push the boundaries of how much stuffing is possible. Dates, 1974, double stuff Oreo released. Dow Jones crashes 45%. FTSE drops 73%. 1987, big stuff Oreo released. Black Monday, a 20% single day crash and a following bear market. 1991, mini Oreo introduced. Smaller icing ratios coincide with the 1991 Japanese asset price bubble, confirming the correlation works both ways and a reduction of Oreo icing may be a potential solution to preventing a future crash. 2011, triple-double Oreo introduced. S&P drops 21% in a five-month bear market. 2015, 
Oreo Thins introduced. A completely lack of icing causes an unprecedented bull run in the S&P for years. 2019, the most stuffed Oreo briefly introduced pulled off the shelf before a major market damage could occur. And in 2021, the most stuffed Oreo reintroduced market response, question mark, question mark, question mark. Thought you would all laugh. Matt? Well, I got two questions. What happened when they introduced mint shamrock Oreos? And I, That wasn't on there because it was, it was talking about the correlation of stuffing. And the correlation, does that also follow with the Chips Ahoy um, amount of chocolate chips in a Chips Ahoy cookie? Nope, just Oreo. That was the only thing that was presented. So, speaking of which, well, I have some pro- we have some problems with the economy, which we've already stated. So here's a commercial. Thank you for having me, Security. Are you having a rough time with the economy I created? Well, Biden Economics and their new product, Inflation Comfort Cream, can help you glide into that tight spot. Make sure you use before looking at charts. Surgeon General warning, product may cause large brown spots in undies. Make sure you wipe thoroughly, otherwise I'm gonna smell it. Where's my cone? I wanna scratch and sniff it. Yes, Ray. Well, 42% of all people that are involved in a car accident on a weekly basis have had carrots in the last month. So all I'm saying, stay away from carrots. That's all I got. That works, too. I'm going to lead this over to Rob. And Rob's going to tell us what's happening over in Europe with all these uh, failure to delivers that are being hidden in Europe. Yeah, if you want to see the article, there's an article right now on, um, I think, on your, chat, uh, your comments. But uh, it pretty much just talks about how these banks are just wasting tons of money into, well, actually, they're harvesting they're yeah lost harvesting the, the whole entire trade and they're keeping it there until further notice and uh that's what happens it just ends up in the graveyard and uh there's tons of it there's just tons well i found there was i was reading something by my good friend mcsqueezy and he was talking about the start of how many ft failure to delivers that the dtcc has already had so far this year um, I posted that up above, but it, the what I'm curious about is that why aren't the European regulators, considering how strict that they are across the pond, doing anything to challenge the SEC? Would be my question. Rob? Yeah, the, the- there's not much they can they can do because the again it goes back to regulations and in two different systems and um you know they, they can pretty much put it it's in a different bread and uh, butter yeah pretty much they, they just <laughs> well, take you on a ride their whole bread and butter their whole fucking market is based on the swap value of not having to report it by offshore transfer so yeah no i mean i i get their ftd in on it but I mean, what do you think it ends up in? It ends up in the, in the Cayman Islands or somewhere else. So we know where, where and, it leads to. And then it to. goes back to Europe. It's been bankrupt for two decades now. So yeah, well, 
what have you got to lose? And then Brazil. They, but so, but in Europe, like in your German market, your European markets, I mean, just in general, I mean, those regulators are unbelievably strict. They don't, they don't fuck around when it comes to FTDs. So how are they, how are they sitting there and absorbing this amount of failure they to don't deliver? Fuck around with their own institutions and FTDs. Uh, uh, pretty much they took out lines of credit and, and went to the max and and now all their assets are, are pretty much fucked see the difference is if it's their own institutions who has to bail them out but if it's US institutions that fucking did a credit Swiss fucking a fuck over that got taken on by UBS and now you got to supply them with 25 billion in liquidity, but now you don't because the U.S.'s fault allowed them to move their market branch to New York so that they could return the 25 billion backstop that they gave UBS on that takeover, so that they could get the 20 or the the, the 28 billion that they needed from the U.S. Fed. Then that tells you why they allow it to happen offshore on U.S. companies, but not their own institutions. So, Robert, you posted this in between the market values of the U.S. and the Chinese market and why the Chinese market is taking a dump. But what I'm interested in is that what it reads on the right side of the charts. Yeah, I'm I'm posting the the main thing I'm trying to post right now, so I won't see it in the comments. But it's it's just hard to you know put it. I up got there. you. I'll put it uh, up. I'll put it up on top if you post it. Okay, yeah, I got you in the comments and a direct message. Uh, but that tells you things the big ones of it, by the way. But uh, up above. Yeah, that that right there tells you most of the story and um, the gravity of the situation because you, you, that might be the numbers on the books, but what's the the ghost value of it? So. I'll read this for everybody, just so everybody has an understanding of what we're talking about. So the settlement fails FTDs across a number of asset classes in Europe are significant, which makes this lack of supervision of U.S. stocks trading even more pertinent. Of the European uh, CSDs with direct or indirect links to the depository trust company, the DTC, in the United States, Euroclear Bank, and international csd with direct links to the dtc reports 183 trillion euros eight percent fall rate of volume 15 percent rate of fall a fail on volume uh euroclear blames most of this lack of securities clearstream banking sa an international central security depository based in luxembourg has an indirect link to the DTC reported 576 trillion euros in settlement fails of securities in 2022. 7.75% on volume, 50.43% on value. Uh, Clearstream Banking AG, the domestic German CSD, receiving and requesting standard links to the DTC, reported 27.5 trillion euros worth of settlement fails in 2022. 23.42 fail rate on a value 
8.99% on volume. That's can I, can I go ahead. that people donor? So yeah, basically what they're saying when you look at AMC and or any particular singular ticker and you see 10, 11, 20%, you know, short interest, right? And you see one, two percent FTD reported, that other six, seven, eight percent of FTDs is in your unreported. And worse than that, the cash value for clearance of cash settlement on that FTDs, what'd you say it was? 50%? Yeah, 50.9. So that means that for every FTD, say if it's an AMC stock at $4, $2 of that $4 didn't clear on 7% FTDs, which is seven to eight times, if not 20 times, the FTD reported here in the U.S., now, if you take that across the whole stock market, you're talking what shouldn't even be 7% short interest, let alone 7% FTD with a 50% fail to clear dollar value on it, just to put it in perspective. Crime, 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 crime. No, I do and that. That's why Europe got rid of LIBOR. Yeah, well, they had to get rid of LIBOR or else LIBOR would have been held responsible. Right. They washed their hands, though, and now they're saying, not us. You figure it out. You do your own fucking swap deals. Leave us out of it. We want no part of it anymore. Speaking so what do we go to SoFi because SoFi is so great with fucking clearing liquidity. People don't get paid. Agreed. Well, speaking of, speaking of swaps and all that good stuff, I have a clip, and then Matt's going to talk about a new type of thing that probably none of you have ever heard of. I want to buy swaps on mortgage bonds, a credit default swap that will pay off if the underlying bond fails. You want to bet against the housing market? Why? Those bonds only fail if millions of Americans don't pay their mortgages. That's never happened in history. Excuse me, Dr. Berry, it seems like a foolish investment. Well, based on prevailing sentiment of the market, banks, and popular culture, yes, it's a foolish investment, but uh, everyone's wrong. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> this is Wall Street, Dr. Berry. If you offer us free money, we are going to take it. My one concern is, is that uh, when the bonds fail, uh, I, I want to be certain... Um, of payment um, in case of solvency issues with your bank. I'm sorry, are you for real? You want to bet against the housing market and you're worried we won't pay you. Yes, that's correct. <clears throat> we'll Barry, we could work out a pay-as-we-go structure that would pay out if the bonds fail, but it would also apply to your payments if the value of the mortgage bond goes up. You'd have to pay us monthly premiums. Is that acceptable, Dr. Barry? Yes. 
um, I have prospectuses on six mortgage-backed securities all on shore. Should be fine. Yeah, we're prepared to sell you five million in credit default swaps on these mortgage bonds. Can we make it a hundred million? Absolutely, we can make it one hundred million. We'll be in touch. Send some paperwork over. You know I got it. If you want to come in, I like these cups. Can can could I take one for my yes. son? Yes. Yes. I want everybody to have a picture in their mind about this because this is a have this in your head because this is kind of what Matt's going to explain. There's one more clip. Countrywide and Freddie Mac positions so that we can afford the premiums on the core mortgage shorts on the swaps. No problem, Dr. Berry. <laughs> Dr. Berry? Mm. <clears throat> if the investors withdraw, what's going to happen here? Are we done? Honestly, I don't know. The. the the bonds aren't going down. They won't move. It's possible that we are in a completely fraudulent system. Or you're, you're wrong. <laughs> sure. I mean, it's possible. I just don't know how. Guess when someone's wrong, they never, they never know how. Two things that he said that were very important into this is that one, we're in a fraudulent system. Two, even when you're wrong, you're never going to admit that you're wrong or you don't know how to admit that you're wrong. And those are the two most important things out of that. Clip. The first one is in regards to the swaps. Go ahead, Matt. Floor is yours. I just also want to add that that 
to the lead up to that clip was when he went to the rating agency and was told that they won't downgrade him because even if they did, they just go to the credit rating agency across the street and get their triple A's because it's paid for ratings. Damn right. Moody ain't going to give it to you. Someone else is going to right down the street. That's all right. important. I'll pop two things in the nest, all right? And the first thing is four pitchers. So I'm. this has been a seven-day struggle in which I observed this Merrick's uh, capital and Merrick's group which actually Merrick's Capital renamed after acquiring the man group. Um, Merrick's is based out of London. And it's taken, like I said, it's been tedious trying to find out what this shit is because there's not a lot of information, but it spiked my interest in that one of the disclaimers on there is you have to be a resident of Europe london exit to be specific england in order to you have to acknowledge that you need to be a resident there in order to see the site so but i realized that i didn't have to click the acknowledgement button in order to scroll the page so i could look in the little window below the acknowledgement uh pop up and see what the fuck they were and they don't tell you a lot. So I was like, okay, this is weird. So when you go up to the second link to the right from the, from the all the way left one, basically the second post back, and you go to the first pit. Oh, shit. That was the wrong tag. All right, give me a second. I went to my wrong post. I saw the four pictures and thought it was it. That's okay, Matt. You're forgiven. Yeah, definitely. It's it's looking very interesting with um, with all the news across the, the world right now, and with the banks in Europe, um, they're gonna keep on doing what they're doing. And fuck. Uh, I just don't think that they're going to be able or capable enough to let Evergrande. I mean, Evergrande is going to be the biggest thing there is, and uh, until that's done, they're not going to be able to do much. That brings it's basically going to bring it in my topic, which is going to be at the end, which is the overvalued stocks and why I believe they're trapped. Crap. Very. Do you you. Can you find that for me and post it? Cause yeah, did you you sent it to my DM? So hold on, I'll be right back. Yeah. I mean the one with the four pictures that show the actual site. Well, I sent you a link. I could just go there and refoto it. Actually, I have it in my phone. Matt, do you got it? Uh, did you send it back to me or did you put it in the nest? 
No, I didn't put it in the nest. I was actually helping my dog walk up the stairs. Uh, hold on one second. So anyhow, while that's coming out, I'm going to, all right. So there's, there's two terminologies in these and one of them is an auto call. Actually three terms. Auto call is a term in its own, but auto call can be attached to what's called airbag. So you have auto call, auto call airbag, and then you have Phoenix. Now, if you look up the definition of these terms, all right, an auto call is nothing more than a stop loss. It's like if you get outside the margin window of the price range of the underlying securities to the note, then it will auto call that note. So it's basically a margin call on a note um, in order to ensure liquidity to fulfill the obligation or loss on the value of the note. So basically the, the writer of that note who sells it to the buyer who then takes on all the risk of the underlying equities within that note for a liquidity price of cash. So it's basically a way for a bank, market maker, or big institution to hedge and not take gain or loss on the value of equities that they hold without having to sell said equities for liquidity cash. Right, so they're basically basically like loaning, or the buyer basically taking out an option. But let's say you buy an option, right? In a note, you pay cash to the bank as an institution for large volume, and they pay term interest on that cash value swap for that option. The term interest is based on the underlying value. So you have basically a window of lost gain. And if your losses in that window reach a point below that negates the interest payment at the term, midterms to the, to the expiration of the term of the contract as a whole. And in some cases, they can be a week, they can be 30 days, they can be a quarter, they can be whatever, right? However they write it. So if it reaches the trigger point below the margin window, it's auto called the stop loss because you lost all your premium and they're not gonna hold you to more than that. Now, they don't necessarily have to if they can forego the liquidity value that you're against your premium loss plus they can let it ride, but they don't have to. They have, it has an auto call, auto close out. You just lost your fucking premium. Thank you. Goodbye. So Matt, Matt, I'm trying to correlate this. Like we're basically like an options chain. All right. So in an options chain, when you buy a call and you buy a call, it's going to be within the money but you're not paying the full value of the underlying. So it's a hundred shares. Well, in this case, it could be a thousand shares. It could be a $70 stock, a $70 stock, thousand shares, right? 
would be $700 with a $30 premium, right? So you're $90 with a $10 window, mm -hmm. right? And they might yeah. offer 7% if it stays at or above mark price at the time of purchase, right? So you're buying this note at this price point, and then you have a margin window. And if it drops to where your break even on your strike price, you get no interest. So you're basically giving them your cash for no interest. If it falls below that strike price where you're in deficit, they have the right to call your option at zero value and keep your premium. Now, if it stays in that margin window of in the money and it's above, let's say it was $70 at term of purchase and it's up to 75, right? Now they have a toggle window for interest. So if it's above that, then it will pay you interest on term periods between the purchase point and the expiration date. So you might have on a weekly, you'll have seven, you'll have daily interest on a seven, you'll have weekly interest, maybe on a, on a monthly or a quarterly, etc. Now at the end of the term, they take average price point at the end of term to figure out what your total interest gain was and they can pay them out at midterm or they can wait till the entire expiration term to pay it all out with the premium if it stays in that balance now if it reaches above let's say it goes to 80 right then you get interest on the $80 value, not the $70 value. So your actual interest payments go up because 7% of 70 is less than 70% of an $80 strike. Now, then I think that's what pins stocks when they're flat because they're trying to keep it in that flat range where they're just paying a prime interest across the board for borrowing the cash against a note. Now, if at expiration, let's say you bought it at 70, it ends at 70, right? Then they take the overall average of that interest other than any price points for, like if it's a monthly and there's four terms, three terms, midterm, and then the, the expiration term, term, no date. Right. If it draws below that 70 price point, let's say below the toggle at 65, they don't owe you interest for that week. So then at the end, they owe you two terms of interest. And the and the, if it bounces back up to 70, then you get your full premium with the term midterm interest plus the collateral shares. So in this case, $70 stock, $1,000 on a $900 premium would be 14 fractional, 14 and some fractional shares to equal that $1,000 balance. So what's interesting about these that I noticed, uh, so yeah, the airbag is the stop loss. So if it just says auto, auto calls a stop loss, sorry, airbag is the, is the, interest window and if it goes above 
say 80, they'll exercise the right to close the term early and pay the interest and not have to pay the higher interest premium if say if it would continue to go up to 100 so there's two toggles there's the you're fucked you just lost all your money if it goes down below a certain toggle margin and there's the we're closing it you made your money but we're not going to take on any more losses on this you reach the upper toggle and we're closing it and paying you and getting the fuck out out so when you're a big institution there again you're not putting all your shares in the line so like on thousand dollars you're doing a 14 whatever share value on a lien basically like lending in order to basically borrow the buyer's cash for the term of the note so in the last one that i posted um just chris did i get any of them oh okay yeah that sec.gov archives edgar is uh, an example of the terms of a ubs um security bond loan note offering for liquidity and it's from 2016-17. And the interesting thing too in there when I read it is that it says not for public display. This will not like these terms are not to be publicly displayed, which was interesting with the disclaimer that not unless you live in Europe, you're not to be in here. Because it's probably against the law to publicly display the actual terms to public in the US. But like I said, I didn't hit the acknowledge. I just kind of realized I could see like what was... now the, the, the other interesting thing about this is that these notes are baskets. It's not I have a thousand shares of Amazon. I don't want to sell for liquidity, but I need liquidity. So I'll make you a deal. Give me your money. I'll put a lien to you on this thousand shares of Amazon and I'll pay you interest on your monetary value loan on the collateral swap for these share borrowings, which I'll get to keep your money if the value goes down too far. But if it goes up, you'll get more interest unless I decide it went up too far. Then I'm just going to fucking rip it up, close it out, give you your fucking gains and walk away. So it's basically taking all the all the plus minus risk of the holders holdings and passing them to the buyer without having to sell the asset itself to create cash liquidity supply. So this is basically a, a direct reflection of what happened in 21 or January and June, correct? So basically what, what Barry is saying in that video, in the first stint of that uh, clip was he, they didn't have a short, uh, no contract because nobody ever heard of that. Like, who's going to do mm-hmm. that? So he goes to the bank and says, I want to short your bonds. And he's like, well, we don't really 
have that. They're like, but if you want to give us your money, we'll write one up. So they yeah. basically said, okay, we got these bonds. You want to borrow them so you can short them. Well, you're going to pay us the interest because the opposite of this, where you're, where you're taking the up-down exposure within a window, basically what he's saying, write me up a contract where you owe me the difference when they go down. Mm-hmm. So he basically bought a short-term note or a short note on bond swap contract with the bank that they would have to pay the difference, not only lose the money on the bonds, but also have to pay him the difference on the losses on the bonds because they no longer had the, they They didn't have the upper They they gave up their hedge. Yeah. It's basically the opposite of hedging. So, but the problem with that is in the second video is because he's short, he's paying interest to the bank until he closes that he's paying interest on his short position and the interest is eating up all his funds. So he's almost all liquid. And now he's selling his other assets at his firm in order to have the money to pay the interest on the, on, on the short term notes that he's holding and he swaps. And he's like, this is bullshit. They're going to go down. And, they, and then they're like, and his partner's like, well, what if you're wrong? And that's what is important is to realize, because he just went to the credit agency, got told that they're not going to get downgraded because if we downgrade them, they'll go across the street and they'll get to the AAA anyway. And as long as the rating ain't going to go down, the value is not going to go down. Because that's the first sign of trouble. That's the first, uh, uh, and everybody, you know, everybody says, oh, there's trouble in paradise. And until that happens, there's no uh, snowball for the avalanche, so to say. And now he's thinking the whole fucking system's corrupt. I know it. I know I'm right. But does it even fucking matter to be right when I just, threw my whole fucking firm, all my investors in the ground. Post that clip, he makes a video. He, there's a clip where he basically tells his investors, I'm locking up your money. You can't withdraw nothing. And because he makes a decision that he's right, they're wrong, fuck it. And he tells his investors, you cannot withdraw. I'm locking up your funds and fucking getting phone calls out the ass. Everybody's like, what the fuck are they getting lawyers? They're trying to sue him. And he's like, fuck you. I know what I'm doing. And he starts liquidating his assets to pay the interest until payday. And he did what was right by his investors because he was right. It's just better to be early, I guess, to the game. But he ne- I mean, he never expected that it would take that long to fail, and it shouldn't have, except it was a corrupt system that was riding on the crack high. So going back to these notes, these notes by this Merrick's holding out of London not only include um, baskets, so they have a lot of blue chips. You see Tesla, you see uh, Amazon, you see, but they're not solo. They're in, they're in baskets. And they're in baskets with ETFs. 
and indices. You got the Russell 2000 in some of these. You got one that's the SP50, the SP500, the S&P 100 mid cap in one basket as a swap collateral note for money borrowing at an interest price. And it's, I, I, I'm doing my best to explain it. It's very confusing. You're doing the best thing I can tell you is read that link because that UBS submission to, to SEC Edgar basically tells exactly what product they're issuing, what it means, and what the risk level is to doing that. And that's on a single security. That not risk has got to be huge. Not ETF baskets, not underlying securities with ETFs. It's like they took that and compounded it. And all for cash. And people, like she says, I, I heard people say, well, that's not a high volume thing. And I don't think it needs to be. I think it's the, it's the, hey, if anybody bites, we get cash because we need cash. Everybody needs cash. I mean, but that's what's so important right now is oh, that. The other thing I forgot to say is that they're considered bond notes mm -hmm. because the equity, they have the shares. These banks and institutions have the shares, but they don't have the cash transfer that went along with them shares because they already used that up. What they do when they get the shares is they wrap them in a bond. So the cash value on their books isn't liquidable cash. It's, it's, it's market to term bond security collateral as a liquidable cash value against the equity. So you, that's where the bond terminology comes into these. And the other thing is these aren't just contracts on the equity. They're leveraged as an option value. So that's where you get the difference between like, okay, you're saying it's a thousand dollars and you're going to give X amount of shares on a thousand dollars. Right. But it's an option. So that's only representing most options at premium represent what 30% of the overall mm -hmm. count value. Correct. One, if they get to 2025, it's a buy mode. <laughs> You want to buy it there. If it gets to a 37, 38, 40, you might want to fucking sell and take your profits because that's where the gamma comes in. That's where your Greek come into play. So that's what happened in June of 21 then because from what we're saying is that basically these equities that held the position, I believe Wanda, correct? Oh, yeah. So first you had in 2020 which was the whole fucking high dividend quarter where mm -hmm. they paid out a huge dividend to Wanda and they had a lawsuit over that, but a bunch of people got fucking paid. So whatever. And the lawsuit really didn't cost them anything in, in AMC revenue metrics. There's a fucking piss in a bucket, almost like the automated thing, which I can go into that. That's a whole nother subject. Mm -hmm. But in that process of, debt swap so 
Wanda owned shares, but they also had lien debt uh, terms with AMC, and they sold their lien debt in 2020 to Silver Lake. Now they had, I don't know if it was all their lien debt or if they had more, but I don't know of any more because nothing else comes up after that. But that whole January thing, on the 27th, 28th, 28th pre-market, I think, and when you look at the fucking candles, even on just the daily, which is only a fractional representation of what happened, all the price hike went up in pre-market. And the price hike in pre-market, when you think of when Wanda contracted with AMC these lean notes on debt, they have a price point. So it's a term contract, almost like a note. Same as a, a debt bond term note contract agreement, right? And at that price point, they were probably looking at $19, $18. So when they did the swap on that lean note and sold it to Silver Lake, that contract swap would have had to go through market at price point. So when Silver Lake got that lien note on the transfer, you had a spike up to the $18, $19 in pre-market. That's your crime candle that normally spikes right back down. Except it didn't spike right back down because retail's been watching this. They see that fucking crime candle. There's some already buying it up, right? So it basically got stimmied there. And this was right after AMC diluted, pumping the price up a little. Sell for more. You sell the ask. You don't sell the bid. You sell the ask. You drive the price up. You do an ATS. You put the, the neutral swap trade in on lit. And you got a higher price midpoint market spread. Right? So you come into opening. And you've got all these all these trades going through, holding up that price point. And the other thing holding up that price point and pushing it even further is that instead of having that crime candle, all obligations must be met, boom, do it in one contract and bring it right back down. The crime candles we always see. In my opinion, I think what happened there is that crime candle got suspended by retail buying. This little bit in pre-market don't take a lot of volume in pre-market, but everybody was watching. I was one of them for that period. I was I wasn't even in AMC then, but from March to June, I was what I was waking up at four four o'clock in the morning without even an alarm clock. I'd wake up at four, watch it for a half an hour, go back to sleep, wake up at fucking nine nine thirty in the morning just in time to watch the open. But. When you have that buying against that selling at the current price and then you have margin calls coming because wait a minute this ain't coming down now we're actually holding this and we opened at that price when you have that kind of spike from a market to mark closed to a market to mark open you start raising red flags and lend and and borrowers on short positions i think got margin calls so now you had shorts trying to get out on a price on a contract debt swap 
and went to market, pre-market, creating margin calls against the fact that they were buying and retail was buying and the, the selling by Silver Lake still had two days to transfer the cash value to the buyers. And then you had Robinhood and brokers allowing margin trading against deposits that hasn't cleared yet. And it created a liquidity issue for the fucking shorts, for the market makers, for the brokers. And they had to at least stop the fucking bleeding. But what's interesting is they took the buy button away and the price still really didn't come down. It's sustained for what, two more days? But that's, the T plus, that's the T plus two, T plus three FTD. So you can you can actually they they basically ATS all the any trading that was happening in order to clear up, get the liquidity needed. Robinhood had to borrow a bunch of fucking find a fucking credit facility uh, window that would give them the liquidity they need to, to actually do these margin trades and give them that liquidity window for two or three days, five days, whatever it took for the bank to actually clear the deposit for liquidity for the for Robinhood to actually have the money to transfer then to which I don't even understand that because if you're fucking buying the stock, then the person selling they didn't have enough liquidity to pay the person that sold it to. Absolutely so it was not. They had nothing waiting on their money. It was Silver Lake that was waiting on their money. The other thing that pissed me off, they blame retail. And it's like, wait a minute, it wasn't even fucking retail. The market we makers were fine, absolutely fucking ecstatic about selling $20, $22 fucking shares to retail all through the fucking market open to hold to prop the price up until they because they didn't realize citadel and all these other fucking hedge funds were getting margin calls then they were like well wait a minute we're bouncing up to what 27 28 you have to remember too we were at a sub four dollar level not even a month before that four eight twelve sixteen 20, 24, 7, 800 percent. Then you get in your hours. Then you get into June, and Wanda goes ahead and dumps all their shares into the fucking market and closes out all their holding in AMC. And what that basis, and like I said, they're they're selling for max profit. They're not fucking selling the bid. They're selling the ask. They're eating up that fucking... And everybody thinks, oh, well, bids buy... Or, yeah, bids buyers and sellers are ask. But there is no bid ask seller on ATS. ATS is a bigger fucking spread than the fucking market. So if the market's got a fucking ask the fucking twelve dollars an ATS might have an uh, might have an upper spread of twelve oh five. They're filling that at twelve oh five ATS because that's five cents more profit for share that the institution's selling for. We'll run it up. 
And then the shorts will jump in at the top when after we run it up ATS, two days later, the stock will get that transfer or that trade reflected into that market two days later on the T plus two settlement, right? Stock will run up two days after all the ATS shit happens. And then the fucking shorts will ladder short it right back down from the top, collect all that fucking profit, except they didn't. Because the only way you can collect profit on a short is just the person that you sold it short to sells it back to you. Fucked. But yeah, the January run run up was basically Wanda Group sold Silver Lake a basically uh, a, a debt note, a collateralized debt note, kind of similar, a little different because the bond debt note's a little different than this note collateral cash liquidity fucking sell off that they're doing. But it's, in, I mean, it's still a swap. It's two sides of a fucking equal sign. I have. I'm going to give you this much cash for the right to grab that many shares at term. That came to term. Silver Lake fucking exercised its right to grab the shares, and then they grabbed the shares, and then they sold them shares in the market. ATS running the fucking market price up, causing margin calls against Citadel and all these other institutions, which created a snowball effect. Right. And it wasn't just, it was a lot. It was a lot because it was the T plus 20, T plus 30 on the annuals. Like, that's what's significant about June 28. If you take the fucking annual swap contract and you have 30 days to fucking clear them, 30 days to close them after at end of term, and you have an annual that runs that you bought you know, depending on what day in January the year before, and you need to fucking dump them off at the end of the year, and you got 30 days to close them out because they're expired, and you have all these stocks with all these short fucking collateral contracts that are all expiring because they were hold to maturity on one-year bonds. They all come due at the same fucking time. You had Silver Lake and their fucking debt bond liquidity fucking ATS value sell off into the ATS system being reflected into the market, causing margin calls on hedge funds that are already exposed to expiring bonds collateral. Their hold to maturity suddenly just become realized losses. Now they're getting margin calls. You got all these companies that they're short all spiked at the same time. I think June was kind of uh after the one thing started to run up i think that they tried to get out and couldn't like they thought okay we need to get the fuck out of this this is crazy i think they tried that's why it went all the way up to 72 78 actually if you go by the minute chart or whatever Mm -hmm. right and they basically stalled the stock halted it and fucking come up with liquidity. Soon after that, they basically said, you can't margin call if it's going to create a financial fucking cross-the-board economic risk, right? You're going to crash the whole fucking market, then don't margin call. So they let them off the hook, and that's when the Fed, like within 30 days after that, the Fed turned around 
and fucking pumped another 800 billion into the overnight liquidity lending or reverse repo basically On the reverse repo and yeah. then you come into the, then you come into the 2022 right and you had all the banks being up for stress tests so we were at like 800 billion before june we were at like 1.6 or a hundred and six or six hundred billion. Sorry, I'm way off. Mm-hmm. It was it doubled. It was maybe four hundred billion before June to eight hundred billion, billion before June, June, and then after June it was like six hundred and like fifty four billion. By December it was over a trillion. Correct. And that was because they needed liquidity to pass their stress test because of their hold to maturity. Well, they didn't have them on hold to maturity yet. But just because they had that much exposure to assets sold, not, not yet purchased, that they needed collateral against that in liquidable assets in order to create an equal balance against their liabilities to their assets. And that's what the Fed overnight repo system is. It's an overnight balancing of the of the bank's books. Now they can fudge numbers all the way in between, but when you got a fucking stress test coming up and you and the numbers don't come out for three months, but they're based on the end of year. They're December thirty first and before. So there you have in December, you have this huge fucking spike again in the overnight liquidity lending your tax dollars propping up their stress test but they can't fail you know after 2011 12 or it might have been 13 and i think that's what caused the china market to crash because the fucking bank basically became illiquid because it was the first time the fed put together the annual stress test and every single bank they tested failed Yes, yeah, so no bank had failed a stress test since. So since you explained about the reverse repo, it's the same exact instance that happened this past, you know, last month, where all of a sudden here's the banks, and we were getting lower and lower on the reverse repo. We were at like, I think it was like seven eighty nine, somewhere around there, and then all of a sudden. The, for one day, it jumped all the way above a trillion. Yeah, the and that, 28th of December, because that's yeah. where they needed that balance in order for their bottom line, final end of the year submissions. When they put them all together, that will, you'll get to report in March, mm-hmm. March, April, but it'll be based, oh, they all passed. Well, yeah, you just pump fucking 180 billion in the, through a hundred institutions to provide the liquidity for all the ones getting tested to pass. And the other fucked up part about that is the only reason no lending went down is because the federal fucking Freddie Mae and whatever, the, all the fucking, the, the, the federal government did not lose 178 billion in asset values. They took on 178 billion in asset values off the backs books off the bank's books to take the losses off their liability sheet so that they would free up some bottom line liquidity in order to pay the federal reserve overnight lending window back to make the appearance 
that the Fed's tightening. They're not tightening shit. And the thing is, the fucking $178 billion that they say that the Fed lost on its security holdings isn't even all of it. That's just a fraction of it. Of course. Because I can guarantee you the $178 billion in losses that's on the Fed's book that came off of the bank's liabilities, creating $178 billion to pay back the overnight lending. And it's probably more like five, six hundred billion. We should probably be at least one point four, one point five trillion in overnight lending if you took not just the capital equities that there are two hundred and seventy eight billion in losses on at the Fed, but you take the fucking mortgage obligations that the Fed turned into fucking bond swaps by purchasing the fucking contracts off the mortgage lenders books, which what was it six months ago that they, they basically said nothing's an auto fucking credit. Now you Correct. have to get approved to fucking do a mortgage loan. Yeah. Six months. Why six. would they do that? Maybe because they're also losing money there. Freddie Mac and Freddie Mac and just as much trouble as the fucking banks are. It was a direct. It was a direct AUS approval and underwriting that they were giving for Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, and it's through a desktop underwriter or loan prospector is what it's called for people that want to know what the underwriting stuff is. But that's they were giving automatic approvals on all mortgage loans during that period of time, just to make sure that they anybody who's anybody could get a loan again. That's why you also saw PNC start to roll out some of their uh, ninja loans, but for minorities. Oh, the other thing about the January 21 thing is with that with that uh, collateral out swap, default mm-hmm. swap, fucking collateralized debt crap, whatever, short yeah. position collateral. If you, if you go back to the indices mm-hmm. at the time of the meme run-ups, is it any wonder that all the indices, even the ones that these running securities fell in, were under or part of, were crashing? If they didn't fucking stop these meme stock securities from running, all the indices that they were in were going to crash because of the loss of value by the institutions using the indices in the ETFs as a collateral swap for the short of the underlying stock within their own fucking product. Wow. It's amazing what you learn. That it's not just retail and like we're taking all the blame for certain things that we shouldn't. You know, it's amazing to me how our government and our Federal Reserve, you know, the people in the SEC, FINRA, let's go all of our regulatory bodies are basically coming up with ways to make you look dumb. And make you think that, oh, it's just, you know, oh, it's just this small thing over here. Or it's this, you know, medium-sized thing here. That's what we're going to change the rules. 
like how Bleach always says, it's the game. The game is there. The game is present. So uh, this leads me into what I'm going to talk about. And this is talking about the overvalue of stocks and or certain equities and also what I think they're doing with AMC. So with that, your S&P hit an all brand new all-time high. A brand new all-time high. Hey, hold on. I'm not done yet. The Dow reaches a new all-time high for the first time in three years. An all-time high. Well, how? I no, mean, what I really want to know is how the fucking NASDAQ can, can fucking drop three, two or three billion dollars yet have a transfer value into the NASDAQ and the Dow of cash value in, in input of four or five billion. Where's the other fucking two billion coming from? And how is the NASDAQ trading step at all time highs with the other ones on that kind of fucking cash outflow? And that cash outflow swap has been fucking going on for months. I got a good answer for you. You ready for it? It's your Mega 7. Yes. Yeah. where is the, the money key. coming from? The, the money is coming from the stocks that are being basically pumped from the Mega 7. So your Mega 7, for example. So it's a, look, com the combination of new investment money, sideline money being pumped into the Mega 7, plus the sell-off of NASDAQ stocks in order to pump the Mega 7. Correct, but the Mega 7 is also holding up the NASDAQ as well. Well, yeah, it's totally holding up the entire S&P because they can say, it is. boom, and they're fucking talking about mid-cap stocks or low pricing or good entry points that you get in the fucking blah, 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 no. blah. Nobody's going into the whole fucking S&P. There's seven fucking stocks propping up the whole damn market, and they're all fucking Chinese fucking companies. Let's, let's companies, a perfect example. US companies that do their manufacturing in China, which is why China is pumping $270 billion to help prop them up even more because they need to have more value in order to hold the collateral swap value against the inflated short position collateral that they're using it on. It's 100% bullshit, but to give an example of what Matt's talking about, let's go ahead and use Apple for a perfect example. It's on the verge of another new all-time high, Apple. So, how is on Apple record low sales? Well, on record low sales, and how China just all of a sudden stopped all the purchases of any Apple product in China. How is it going up? Based upon that, how is it going up on that news? Let's go to with Nvidia. Nvidia is another perfect example. So how is NVIDIA up 23% in 19, the first 19 days of trading in 2024 and has added a $200 billion market cap? Because they're doing a short scalp transfer of every fucking S&P retail fucking meme stock market cap through shorting and transferring that value into the fucking t big sevens market cap on a collateralized swap. So, Nvidia 
is also less than 10% away from passing Amazon as the fifth largest public, public company in the world. And you have Jinping that's in there, hey, do you want to go into a, a war with a chip war? Let's go. We can do a chip war, China versus U.S., let's go. And the hedge funds that are doing it are paying out more amounts of money to their fucking investors than they ever have because they know the gravy train's coming to an end and they're going to line their fucking accounts with everything that they can while they can when the fucking gravy train ends and then they'll start over again with whatever they hedge and whatever they have left because they know they can manipulate their way back into power again. Maybe if we don't stop them. And the banks are letting them do it because they so fucking deep in it with loans from the bank that the banks don't have the fucking liquidity to fucking margin call so to not margin call is letting them continue what they've been doing for fucking four years now supplied with your tax dollar fed liquidity fucking window to the banks to allow them to have the money to not have the margin call correct correct took the words right out of my mouth you're basically going ahead and you are going ahead and giving leveraging the banks so that the banks have the money to basically not get the margin and you have to protect those banks because those banks are literally teeter-tottering off a cliff as of right now because they don't have the money and the they rest should. of the world is seeing it and saying, fuck you, and trying to separate herself. You got the oil dollar separating from the U.S. market. You got LIBOR going away. You got fucking China saying no more fucking shorting here while pumping money into the big seven to try to help out. You got fucking Korea, South Korea's market saying no more fucking short selling. You got fucking I, the whole Middle East is a fucking war because of the fucking global financial system. Don't think it's not. Well, here's something interesting that just popped in. So China assets managers will now stop allowing Chinese investors from buying in the QQQ, SPY, IWM, and other U.S. ETFs. And the funny thing about this post is that, didn't I warn you, China wants investors and their money back starting from the Chinese. The, get your popcorn ready. This is going to be a fun one. That's not even a new thing. China stopped fucking wanting to fucking absorb our fucking bonds a while ago. That's why we did free trade with Mexico, because we needed new bond buyers. Correct. But the, I'm saying from them stopping the trading now, like the complete stopping, that... That's the final straw, like, fuck you, we're done. Yeah, that, that is just exactly... So, Karina, you got something? So you basically have this nuclear hot potato now that is basically from the Chinese government is saying, hey, you can't buy into the American equities market in any which way, shape, or form. You can't go ahead and do this because we know that the, all this shit is bullshit. How are, how is the spy at 48? Or how is, how is that the 
NASDAQ, the Dow, they're going ahead and they're reaching all new time, uh, all time highs. How is it that we're going to prop this thing up to so such amounts? And don't think that this is done. This is going to go a little bit higher, in my opinion. I believe that these indices are going to get cross thresholds that we've never seen. So do I see 5,000 in, in the spy? Sure, I do. I sure do. They're going to scrape for every last ounce of liquidity that they possibly can. Because on the other side, history always ends up repeating itself. And I refer back to about two years ago with Jerome Powell. Jerome Mr. Burns Powell, who has a tendency in history... It's about every two and a half, three years where he just does a dramatic rug pull because he has to. He is forced to at this point because he can't let these things go up any higher. His friends, if you haven't gotten out by now, oh, well, I'm sorry. You are going to have a problem. Jeremy Grantham, for all of you who don't know who he is, He's considered the world's greatest trader. Jeremy Grantham recently has reported that it, the whole thing, the SPY, the S&P, or the SPY, your Dow, your NASDAQ, could fall anywhere between 60 to 90%. You know what the biggest fuck of it is, too? Go They're ahead. They're pushing money markets. Mm-hmm. And I get it. Because the interest payout right now. Yeah. But if well, the I Fed go, needs cash. If, yeah. Well, if I go to a market or not even a market, like a family office, an insurance agent or whoever I go to, and I say, well, I got 20K saved up. I want to put it in something safe. Well, we'll put you in a money market. They're paying like fucking 7% right now. Mm -hmm. You lock it in for five years and you'll get 7%, right? Yep. Five years from now, that poor fucking sap is going to lose his fucking ass because the interest rates are going to come down. Correct. Because they're going to have to. Mm -hmm. And they're only going to be collecting 4% from the government, but they're still going to owe me the 7% on a guaranteed fucking contract value on a five-year lot. Yep. And it's the same thing with a mortgage. Yep. If you're buy if you're an idiot enough to fucking buy a mortgage right now, do it. I'm, I'm not a financial advisor, but I'm going to tell you my opinion is do it on a variable rate. Might as well in a seven percent fucking rate, or 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 at least you know when it comes down, go for a refinance, which then you're going to lose all your fucking closing cost value. But I mean, don't fucking stick yourself with a fucking thirty year seven percent fixed because. Four or five years from now, not even, maybe even two years from now, we'll at least be down, back down to six or five. You'll probably be down to about five and a quarter, five and a half, realistically. And I can actually tell you, because I do have that, I do have my license, is that he is 100%, Matt is 100% correct. If you do have the opportunity and if you can swing it on a variable rate mortgage, absolutely. Because 
you will negate every ounce of closing costs that you would possibly have towards it. And, and then the with the rates close their sheet in your face and they're going to say, do you realize the risk you're taking by variable? Of course. Rate? Yeah, I realized the risk that I'm fucking agreeing to that you're going to fucking variable my rate down to 5% on a loan that you're paying 7% on. <laughs> Absolutely. 2% two years from now. So good luck with that. <laughs> exactly. But the, now at the same time, you're going ahead, you're negating your closing cost and rates will be coming crashing down during that period of time anyway. So where it's going to put you into that, you know, I would say probably like four and a half to like 5.75. And unfortunately, as they crash the rates down because they have to, inflation's mm -hmm. going to go up because there's no fucking choice. It's no. just you have to eat inflation or you have to fucking eat rates. Well, they're not going to continue to fucking feed inflation and illiquidity and fuck the banks keeping the rates up. So they have to bring them down and retail is going to eat the inflationary value of that. So what's interesting that you brought that up is that so... I know you've heard me say it a thousand times, so I'm going to say it a thousand and one. They can't cut rates. They cannot cut them. Remember, they were saying that expectations were for March. There was a 90% chance that they were going to cut rates. Well, guess what? That changed. Not, okay. Now it's only a 4%. Hold on, Matt. Let me, let me explain this. So there's only a 4% chance of them actually cutting rates come March. Why? Because inflation is too fucking high and they can't go ahead and actually finagle the numbers anymore. There's no way for them to move. They can't I'm, do I'm it. I'm not seeing reevaluate that in like fourth quarter 24 to mid-quarter mid 25. Oh, for sure. I don't think you're cutting rates. I don't think you're going to have a chance to cut rates at all. But the market is still fixing that you're going to have four times that you're going to cut rates this year. No. I guarantee you, that, and I'm going to bet it right now, that every single time that they come due for a rate cut, that they change and pivot. Guaranteed. Guaranteed. Hey, Pirate Ape, go ahead. You've been trying to get in. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, do you think... Uh... You sound really quiet, my friend. My friend. And we'll bring him back up. Here we go. Go He's ahead. Yeah, so I want. Yeah. Uh, they might actually cut rates that month as well. What, what do you think? No, no, because here's the thing. When you go ahead and you cut interest rates, that is signaling that, one, the Fed has a grasp on inflation. That's one. Two, now you're going, because you're cutting the rate, that means that the stock market can go up. Well, lower, the interest, for, uh, lower the interest. Hold on. The stock's I got Pirate Apes back on this. Security, James, I think buy before general election. That's what I'm saying. You have to remember who's in charge. They are going to create whatever fucking bullshit fucking story they have to say. Inflation is down and 
we're gonna cut right and i i honestly think it'll be like five 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 and a half five three quarters maybe six at the tops right just to create the impression that bidenomics work especially if trump will, uh wins they might just crash it on him well they're gonna crash it on him regardless because they need they're gonna say oh well he was doing the right thing and you know what and trump came in and screwed everything up no, Hell, they no, can't no. Even go full bore and drop it to five and a half points by fucking October just to fucking stick it to Trump and make it that much harder for him to correct all this shit. Because I think Trump's over promising because I don't think he even knows what he's getting himself into when he's saying that we're going to bring inflation down by 50 percent in the first year. Dude, I don't care how much drill baby drill you do. You can't fucking drill baby drill on shutdown systems and create any revenue in fucking six months. See, but the one thing that he can do, especially by the drill baby drill, is it giving people jobs and no, working I'm not back saying on that pipeline. I'm not saying he can't correct it. I'm just saying he's got to be careful of his timeline because mm-hmm. he don't know the damage that they're doing. I don't. I think he knows, but I don't think he really knows. And I don't think he knows the damage between now and then that they're willing to do. I see the war going on. Go ahead, Lantern. No, I was going to say you see how the wars are going on. Like geo, uh, geo thinking, he might do it. I mean, it'll benefit America. It might hit other countries differently. It'll pause a lot of shit going on in the world. What do you think? I think personally what is going to happen and this is where they can't hide this is basically your doom loop, which is your commercial real estate. Your commercial real estate is the outlying problem that's going to kick this whole thing off. This is the, this is the chunk of the iceberg that basically you don't see. That's just cracking into because as you see, all your employ, all these employers that are ba- and companies that are basically re- either reducing their spaces or reducing their employee count by having these mass firings. Look at Citibank, a perfect example. What did they just lay off? Thirty thousand more people. Our that startup just got laid off too. Yeah, there you are. Do you know? Do you know? Twenty percent of Biden's labor numbers is child labor. I wouldn't wouldn't surprise me. No, I got articles. I'll share them with you then after whatever. Yeah, I'm just saying it wouldn't surprise me in any which way. I mean, I don't know if he's using those numbers and added to the labor numbers to get these numbers that he's getting in the labor market because everything is being reviewed. Industrial jobs hire co-op, right? Co-op companies provide labor forces for jobs. Most mm-hmm. of these jobs, these companies don't even know they're hiring miners because the fucking co-op industries are bringing in the miners, uh, the minors, miners to to dole out as employment for these industries that are shorthanded. Thirty thousand, about a total two hundred thousand was a quarter um, for approximate jobs. They're only figuring it out because these miners are fucking dying because they don't have the fucking knowledge or the wherewithal to fucking call out the dangerous shit that they're expected to do and the lapse in the fucking safety measures 
isn't being realized because they've never fucking, they're not American. They don't understand our industries and our fucking technology. They just go in there and fucking just for the money there and, and the fear not to have that income for their families. So essentially we have immigrants keeping the country up right now. Well, they've taken all your jobs. Because I'm going to go ahead and hire somebody that's crossing the border or a migrant that's going to work for 60% less than what I was paying you in a salary. So why am I going to keep you when I can get, make money that way? Why hire somebody off the street as a company when you can go to co-op and pay 60% of that and give the co-op 10% and 30% less cost overall? vocational schools hiring uh, ex-criminals or whatever they're making it available for them too yeah so i mean fuck they were putting 18 19 year olds just out of high school through fucking trucking training to get truck drivers absolutely i mean here you go i mean this is a cheaper way for me as a company to make money and now i don't have to pay the ridiculous overhead now i don't actually have to pay for the large amount of space. So now I'm going ahead and netting more in profits. So, so now you have the spy. I, if you guys look up above, I th this is one, two, three, fourth chart from the right. And I will thank my good buddy Ed for this one because this really paints a really great picture. I believe that the AMC is decoupled from the spy. Mm -hmm. It truly has, because as the spy has kept on going more and higher and higher and higher, AMC has gotten lower and lower and lower. Hey, security, what do you think about uh, Blackstone defaulting on those uh, loans uh, for those buildings in the city? Oh, um, now they're buying up. Uh, properties out in Canada now and uh, trying to renovate them and flip them, but it's not working because it's getting expensive now. Canada, Canada's GDP is at 100%. They can't yeah. afford mortgages to save their lives right now. Sorry for anybody that's in Canada, but <laughs> you guys are just absolutely fucked. Yeah. Uh, I, and, out there. <laughs> I don't know how much Blackstone actually risk is on their own books and how much they haven't collateralized out to put you know through swaps to put that exposure on the other institution well blackrock works with blackstone and a lot of their portfolio i think it was like 30 percent of uh, blackrock's uh portfolio correct correct so they're getting the liquidity directly from blackrock just to go we ahead and help them with that with all that yeah so so with the decoupling of AMC and the spy, what I think is basically happening is that you're seeing this trend. And if you look at charts from the last two days, last five days or five trading days total, if you look at each one of them, it will go up in the morning and continuously take a 45 degree angle going straight down and down and down and it tends to run on this path and it's going that way what i believe is happening and i was reading some interesting things when it came to this and biotech if you're there or if not 
they are going ahead and basically taking all of their shorts that they have in AMC, putting them into an obligation warehouse to basically go ahead and dump AMC as hard as they possibly can at one point in time when they basically have a chance to go ahead and bring it to where they need it to be. Because the only way that they're going to get to where they're going is at zero. I still am of the belief that there's no way that this could possibly happen with the improved numbers, with the revenue streams, with everything that AMC has going for itself. It's impossible for them to bring it to zero. Absolutely impossible. They have trapped themselves. They can't. They can't. And here's why they can't. Because if they even got this fucking thing down to $2, they, they will oh, be there, like... There's so many people buying risk because there's no way <laughs> people no there's not i mean they tried that in 20 and we see how that worked out mm -hmm. but my point is is that this is their plan this is what they do and they have a record of doing it and especially with the zombie stocks if you look in past history like with blockbuster uh deans sears when they get to a point, they start to take their shorts and they put them into an obligation warehouse. They will sit there in this obligation because they're not having to be paid on. They basically are just sitting there. Once they get the company down to zero, it doesn't matter. They never have to pay on these shorts anymore. This is their plan. Once yeah, they get I'll, to I'll, this... What, what I'm seeing is that that at this four to four fifty level and you can look at the fucking reports on mm -hmm. FINRA and see that people are institutions are loading up here. Ones that aren't exposed to the, to the, oh, yeah. to the, the amount of people they Vanguard can't, themselves has increased their position by 2385%. Two, Even the option swaps are like 125 call to put mm -hmm. on, on the spread window. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, yeah. But this is open season. This is open season on loading the boat. If you can do it, do it. Oh, my God, will you be happy that you did? Because the turnaround on this is going to be fantastic. When that thing actually starts going, it, there is nothing in God's green earth that is going to be able to stop this thing from moving. They won't. I don't care how many shorts they throw in there. This is like you holding up a paper, like a piece of paper, and you're throwing a rock through it. It is not going to stop. None. It's we're basically. It's going to get to a point where it's going to be like the movie scene of the hot hand at the craps table that just can't fucking lose with the hot chick standing behind. Oh yeah, you're just rolling <laughs> sevens, seven and elevens. Nonstop, and all these all these shorts, everything that they've had to sit there and put in these obligation warehouses, are all going to come fucking due. You're gonna watch a bunch of places, and I'm telling you, banks included, that are just going to fucking get buried. You are not going to see a lot of these places that you thought were too big to fail, oh no, they were 
they were definitely able to fail. I could promise you that. And the best part about it is when that happened, and 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 we can actually, and I'm not going to say pay off our debt because why would you do that anyway? Oh no, we would be able to do that too. But go we on. We would, but you won't even have you you won't even do that because you don't have no. to. It matter. You'd rather have the cash on hand because you can make more in the cash than the cost of the debt to hold the debt. Yeah, but you could also pay off the you could also pay off the like the 2006 notes, which are well, yeah, the debt covenants. Well, you, fuck, you'd be able to recontract them for a lot less interest and make five correct term back them with correct. bonds or whatever and make the fucking interest cost on the bond value, which is correct. good as that at that point. No, I don't correct. I don't know now with the liquidity thing, but anyhow, um, you. Add to that at the point in time which Soika always talks about. That's where you're going to compound. You're going to see compounding net. Mm -hmm. And compounding net creates dividends. Dividends creates higher price points. Higher price points creates stock buyback. Stock buyback creates liquidity to buy more stock. Own more percent of the company. More percent of ownership by share count creates more dividend value. And it's a fucking rolling snowball uphill with less free flow, more value paid for through your present ownership in the company at the value that you're at. So, I mean, think about that when you think about, you know, what you're scalping off your, off your, you know, your price targets, how much you want to keep, whether you want to fold out, wait for it to come back down if it ever does. But you might just end up buying back at a higher price than what you were at. I don't fucking know. Nobody knows. This never happened before. No. This is the one-off in history where you will, one, you will never see this again. Period. And I'll go full circle back to what I said earlier in the call. I had $3,000 in it in June. It was worth 22000 Right? And that ain't fucking nothing compared to what is possible with this in my so, opinion. If you want to know my idea and what I think is possible, I'll lay it out there. So here I think is the ultimate fuck you to our enemy. We Moass. You will be able to pick whatever number you like. You want to hold to 150,000? Great. You want to hold to 533,000? Please be my guest. As long as everybody holds, you have the opportunity for generational wealth. Not just you, but your kids, your kids' kids, and you are now the new 1%. When this Moass is and this comes down, here's the ultimate Adam Aaron fuck you, which is what I hope, is that let's just say it settles at $250. dollars this is what it sells at when this is all said and done. Adam Aaron goes ahead and says, all right, gotten rid of our debt covenants. We are able to renegotiate those terms. We are able to give you guys a dividend. Let's give you a 20% dividend on $250. Of math, off the top of your head, what's 20%? Anyone? Anyone? I didn't hear the numbers, or I could do 200, it. 250 is where it settles. 50000 So, and we give a 20% dividend at $250. Yeah, that's 
25,000 per 10%, which is 50,000 times two. But so it's 25 times two, 50,000. Yeah, 20% dividend on 250,000. Yeah. 10% of 250,000 is 25. No, no, I'm, I'm $250. Oh, yeah, $25.50. Yeah, so there you go. You get a dividend of that amount per share. And watch that thing shoot up again. So now you got to double it. Yeah, and and honestly, if it gets to like $250 or even $500, it wouldn't surprise me if you did a share buyback, right? Gave you cash for your shares in order mm -hmm. to lower the float, which would double the price of the stock. But then you could use that cash buyback in order to buy more shares, which now you just you could use that cash to basically add another 15 20% ownership of the of the equity value of the free float. <laughs> yeah. And then it compounds. So the next, you know, the next quarter you get another 20%, but now you got a 10% increase in in investment on that mm -hmm. and that's and that's how you wind up owning company. And that's why we're not allowed to do that. That's why they're they they're all fucking trying to get everybody out of it and trying to stop people from getting into it because they own every other fucking media company out there when it comes to uh streaming content and movie content and production content except amc it's the only thing they don't own and they tried to but they thought they could get it cheap on the back of fucking covid so they were shorting it, shorting it, shorting it, and we stepped in, and they didn't have to borrow the money from fucking Wall Street. Yes, they took the money from your fucking stock value. Guess what? Nobody owns them but us. Correct. So now you're in a position where you get to control your content. You get to control the movie theaters. You get to control everything. Teasing, my good friend, I love it when you come up and talk. Now, if I could hear you, that'd be even better. Uh-oh. Yeah. There you are. Yeah, my mic's fucked up. Can you hear me? Yep, I can hear you now. Somewhat, maybe. Oh, hold no, on, let me, get mic. let me get a different mic. Go teasy, go teasy. It's my teasy. Yeah, I don't even need a microphone. Fuck this shit. Um, you can hear me now. I sure can, my friend. <laughs> All right. What I was gonna say is, uh, you know, y'all were talking about the theories of like what they would do with the market and how it would work out. I yep. think I think that um, you know, you can look at it a couple different ways, but. You know, we got Soros' son making, you know, crazy fucking remarks about Trump. You got everyone knows what the fuck's going on with Trump. They know he's coming. There's, there's nothing that's going to stop him now. No, my theory is, why they wouldn't wait? They wouldn't wait and just drop it on. But ha ha ha! It's going to be fucking. It's your fault because them motherfuckers are going to prison. They're, they're, they, I, if I was them, I would collect all this shit and, and, and be nefarious all the way to the end until they can 
until you know something's military moves on them or whatever the fuck they're gonna end up doing because at the end of the day you know they're gonna have all that money capital gains there is, all there is one money. way they can stop them but i really don't want to talk about that so well i mean that's my opinion that's that's no shutting all down easy right but you know why why wouldn't they just be like you know let's just fucking run it dump them get all the fucking money we can and send money wherever they need to to try to wiggle their way out of it i mean and you know keep on doing the fairy shit like they've been doing see and i've looked at it that way as well considering that okay i i don't understand why they're so committed to their friends it comes down to the liquidity problem and i think yeah there's a liquidity liquidity problem just kicking the fucking fiscal debt policy fucking spending bill plan is allowing but two there's so many there's so many dominoes around this once they start falling Money's gonna have to be getting moved somewhere. So correct. Everybody's they gonna need, everybody's gonna have their hand out. They can't keep adding three trillion dollars in debt every fucking two to three months. This shit ain't going no, to election debt. No, I agree with you. I, I honestly, my personal opinion is right around the end of and March. I'm sorry, but that, I mean, ninety percent of that three trillion debt ceiling is money laundering, it's the banking liquidity against the market exposure. I mean, if it was like one thing, like, you know, all right, if it was based off of elections and make this person look bad or whatever, we're not talking about just making somebody look bad. He's getting ready to fucking, he's getting ready to fucking throw them all and, and get Mo. It's not going to oh, be yeah. no, you know what I mean? It's not going to be no, oh, you're president now. Here's everything. Here's all, here's all your debt. <laughs> they're, they're, they're worried about fucking even staying alive. They're, if I was them, I'd be worried about even fucking getting killed. You know what I mean? Like, that shit's crazy, like, what they're doing. I agree with what you're saying, because I think Trump's too nice, and I think he's going to give them the out option. Like, you're fired. Get the fuck out. See you. <laughs> that's why you got, J- that's why you got Jamie Diamond. That's why you got Jamie Diamond and all these motherfuckers sucking his ass right now because they know what the fuck he's going to do. You guys forget we got a bunch of illegal people here. They're not supposed to be here. Oh, yeah. Large population. Oh, yeah. He's sending them out too. Yeah. They know. They're going bye bye. Yeah. They're leaving on a jet plane. But those people are the same ones in the streets keeping us in traffic and all this other shit with their protests. Yeah, well, I, I feel bad for you guys in New York because you yeah, guys are. Yeah, but can only do that because they're getting government money to sustain their livelihood. Yeah, once that fucking cuts off, they ain't gonna be in the fucking street. They're gonna be out there looking for fucking some way to get fucking money okay. to live because yeah. that fucking gravy train's going away. The gravy train with biscuit wheels. That's what <laughs> pisses me off about the whole fucking immigrant thing. Fine, you want to be an immigrant? Every immigrant I ever known. Right back to the fucking 1800, you know, when they come over from Europe, didn't come with fucking nothing. They didn't just throw everything the fuck away and come empty handed. They came prepared. They came with food. They came with supply chains. They came with money. They came with trade goods. They came with everything that they thought that they would need to sustain themselves until they got settled in. They fucking I came with the factory. It's and everything coming over here with nothing. And then we're expected to fucking pay for it all. It's bullshit. The Great Depression will get them out. Sure. Well, you you're saying you're letting people walk across the border and saying that they're a terrorist. Fucking economic freedom of our country yeah. constitution 
that they're coming over for is the same thing that they're destroying by the means in which they're coming over. But if there's nothing left here, they're not, I mean, they could come here, but they're going to probably go back. No, it's no different. <laughs> All right, let's take California as an example. What the fuck's happening in California? Fucking mass migration out of there. Okay, you destroyed California. Where are you going? Texas, fucking Oklahoma, and Arizona. Why? So you can destroy their fucking states because you didn't learn that you destroyed the state that you were in. New York's coming to fucking Pennsylvania. Why? Yeah. You can destroy our fucking state, which is already in trouble because we're pretty much run by Philadelphia. It's fucking bullshit. I couldn't. And this fucking bullshit of. I'm not a Democrat anymore. I'm going to register as a Republican and then I'm going to vote for a fucking Democrat candidate so that I can vote for Joe Biden in the fucking general election, which has always been a thing in case you didn't know, because the Democrat party never let them fucking vote in a fucking primary. Anyhow. Oh, always you mean Nikki Haley's vote? This is who we're voting for. So you mean Nikki Haley's vote? Being a, you can fucking register as a fucking Republican, going to the fucking Republican primary pick the person that's going to lose to the Democrat candidate, and even if they don't lose, you got a Democrat either way. And they've been well, doing already that for decades. And now it's on, that fucking thing's on steroids because all these fucking independent quote-unquote independents are now fucking signing up fucking Republican to vote for Democrat fucking policies. It's bullshit. Well, if you fucking switch parties, you shouldn't be able to fucking vote in the primary until three years of fucking voting for that party's candidate for the general. And if you ain't doing that, then get your ass in the fucking party that you're voting for. Kind of sounds like what Nikki Haley is doing right now. I don't know how she's getting all these Democratic votes. I'm telling you, man, they're going to stop. They're going to do some crazy shit to Republicans or conservatives to not let our vote count. Oh, I, all I know is, is that there is the only way that this election, I don't think it fucking matters. There's not enough amount of fucking cheating in the world. that's going to take them down. Yeah. I mean, you already figure that most of the fucking Nikki's votes and this fucking primary are going to be Biden voters and he's still fucking be. So she had the fucking Republican party votes for the, for the primary. Right, she had the Democrat swing fucking independent transfer fucking votes who were voting for her so that that would help Biden win again. Mm. And Trump still beat her by fucking what seven, ten point spread, eleven yeah. points. I think it jumped up to. And New Hampshire, that's yeah. a huge fucking spread when you're basically you beat the fucking Democrats, you beat the fucking independent swings, and you beat the the never Trumper Republicans. All in one fucking state primary. Well, Trump said it. I mean, he's going against the wealthiest of the wealthiest. And I guess that's where we come in from. It's amazing what they're going to do. It's amazing. It really is. I it, All I know is, is that... What the fuck Nikki Haley thinks she's doing anyhow? She lost Iowa. She lost New Hampshire. She gave up fucking... She lost New Hampshire with no other candidates running. And she didn't even get all of the fucking Vivek's votes or fucking uh, DeSanctimonious votes because some of them went to Trump or she would have had a better gain than all every percent spread. 
11 point spread, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. she already conceded in fucking Oklahoma. So even if she fucking does a little bit better in South Carolina, she's still going to lose all four states. Quit fun spending the fucking money. So even Fuck South, the governor that she used to be governor of, which I believe is South Carolina, even the governor has already given her vote to Trump and endorsed Trump, which is hilarious. Teasy, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Teasy. No, I, I was just going to add in. Another thing, you know, you got to think about is all these lobby politicians and and uh, bankers and everything that are linked to Soros and China. You know, they all know they all know their their reign's going going down too when Trump comes in. So mm-hmm. it, they might as well, you know, if I if I was them thinking <laughs> like a crook, I would just do the you know the grand robbery of the United States and steal everything. You know what? What would they do? Just leave it like it is and be like, "Oh, we're we're done. We're good." Nah, they they've already dug themselves so deep. They're not going to stop now. This ain't going to go to elections. They're going to transfer everything that they can into their own personal bank accounts because they know it's the last grab. They've yeah. already done that. They will yeah. ride terrorists over here, man. They will do. <laughs> they will do everything. You, they already flew balloons. They already shot down balloons. I mean, and what, what's next? That goes back to the interest rates. They don't give a fuck about us. No. They'll drop the fucking interest rates. They don't give a fuck about the inflation. They'll drop the interest rates just so that they have more liquidity to line their pockets with when the game ends. Because the game's coming to an end. Yeah, pe- people got to look at the bigger picture, man. Because it's not just it's not just Joe Biden. Joe Biden's just a representative for the people that are doing this shit. Correct. Yeah, the party's over. Yeah, there isn't. Joe Biden is sold himself to the deep state for the ability to do fucking these little fucking inter-country deals with China and fucking Ukraine and whoever else in order to fucking line his pocket, and that was the deal. Yeah, we're just we're being blackmailed and extorted. Do the policies that we implement. Yeah, no, it's it's all shitty. To be perfectly honest with you, but it, politics is shitty. He's been a fucking sellout for personal wealth his entire career. He sure has. There's nothing. Yeah, the guy's a crook. And that's why I, I take a firm stance in making fun of him every chance that I possibly get. Because because he is a crook. And it's you, sad. You know, another thing that's going to put a little bit of speed behind this, I think, is uh, we, we don't even know about if Biden's even going to keep control of, over there, <laughs> you know, the, no. behind closed doors, there's a lot going on behind closed doors. Oh, for sure. I totally there. agree with that. Look at, look at what he had to do with the state of Texas just to, I mean, <laughs> for the, their migrant issue, but what, you know, Texas was in control. They were going to be in control. They didn't want to lose uh, their part, uh, part of their land. And yeah, they're going to start a civil war. Over this oh, for sure. I don't want to fuck with Texas. You guys down in Texas, you guys are crazy motherfuckers. You guys are, can start your own militias. Everybody needs to start paying attention to all these people that are being escorted around by these U.S. Marshals. Mm-hmm. For sure. Because it's just going to put a little... It's not... I don't know. There's so many There's so many things going on, man. It's hard to... It's hard to explain someone that just has stock stock market knowledge or political knowledge because this is like a whole 
This is the whole thing right here. <laughs> it's your shiny <laughs> new problem in the sky. It's and this is why, and this is why a lot of people related to biblical times because it's like, it, it's you know, we're fighting the evilest. It's the, the one percent of, of the, the evils. Sorry, it's the one percent of the top one percent network in between market yeah. theft and po political policy in order to allow that market theft to continue yeah. to steal from the people to line and keep them in power. The very puppet yeah. masters. Hey man, I'm here for it. I'm ready to go. Well, so am I. I'm ready for I'm ready to launch to be perfectly fucking beyond fucking ready. Yeah, there's but there's no way that they can keep so there's the original problem which we already know is what the original problem is they are throwing out problems bottom left left top left or corner left top left top right corner right yeah. right bottom right all around in a circle because this is your main problem and you're never going to get to the main problem because you're going to look at all these other problems before you even get to that one and when you get to that one, they don't have a fucking answer for it. Mm -hmm. Matt, go ahead. I just want to do a little... I'm 49 years old. Mm -hmm. And I remember growing up, and I was born in 74, if you want to do the math. Um, I remember growing up, the Republican Party was always considered the corrupt Wall Street party with their hands in the fucking Wall Street basket, you know, self-lighting through fucking market and bank manipulation and all this shit, right? But it's weird because I don't know when the transition happened, but I don't think people, I think the Republicans are still stuck with that label. I think Trump is still stuck with that Wall Street Republican mega whatever label. And what they don't realize is that somewhere that got switched and it became, I think Republicans gave up their control over regulation and finances to the Democrat party, as long as they were allowed to be part of the swamp that got to collect the money on it. Because it seems in the last at least 15 years, 20 years, 30 years, there was a transition of Wall Street influence and party alliance that switched to the Democrat Party and the Republicans are now just along for the ride in that whole deep state consolidation of industrial to finance, pocket lining, corruption, system network am i wrong about that no i think one of the biggest problems was letting the wef get involved security if you're talking i gotta drop again because i can't hear you but i'm, well, I'm basically I'm, saying I, I think people need to wake up and realize republican party's not the fucking wall street crooks anymore swamp party is and they let the fucking democrats have total control of the regulations that that create the wealth for the swamp party as a whole. I think I think the main problem is too is that the Republican Party now is getting the good name off the MAGA movement. 
because neither neither one of the fucking parties are, are worth shit. We shouldn't even be representing Republicans or Democrats because both of them are fucking failedists. They just swips flip flop depending on what decade it is. Then they'll send a couple of Republicans over there disguised as Democrats. We we can't deal with this shit no more. Trump it's, it's, it's too much bullshit. Like the integrity in in all politics is fucking out the window. There is and people no need to stop even politics. claiming. Yeah, people need to stop claiming that shit because it's just confusing for everybody. Because as soon as you start claiming Republican, it's going to take a couple years, and they're going to sneak a couple Democrats in there. It's going to be back to the same shit. It's, it's to the libertarians. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, you can add to that too, and you could see the, the the increase in the in the campaign contributions and the campaign cost through an election cycle, and and what you know constituents are are pocketing and fucking laundering that money in the personal wealth of, of friends, family, and themselves at, at the cost of what become an out of control overall election cost. I mean, what they're spending on these fucking campaigns is absolutely outrageous. And I'm sorry, but DeSantis was one of the biggest fucking spenders of, of that lucrative wealth income he blew through how many fucking hundreds of millions of dollars in the fucking before we weren't even a year to the fucking primary yet and he was way too much six months to the primary he was fucking broke (laughs) like way too much nuts way too much and that's all corporate money for influence it's not our money and who's the biggest fucking you know and, and there's things I agree and disagree with some candidates, but I can tell you these grassroots candidates that are getting their money from grassroots contributions of $2 here, $5 there, $10 there, and aren't fucking lining their pockets with it, but actually use it all for campaign or competing on a tenth of the cost. Because they're not fucking taking Wall Street money, but they know how to fucking use the money or putting the money where it's supposed to go to instead of walking away a loser but rich. Bleach, what's up? It's it's kind of funny, man, that we're still talking about a political party after everything that we have gone through, either Republican or Democrat. They haven't done shit for you, neither party. And you still no. believe that there is such thing as a Democrat or Republican? You know that, like we gotta, we gotta start talking like with um, what I, I don't want to say confidence, but talk with like um, the actual things that you know. There is no such thing as a party anymore. The government has played you if you still think that way, right? Because like, look at what just Matt just said: contributions to campaigns and the millions of dollars, and then the guy. I mean, come on. Like, are we being serious? That was a lot of money. And that's why I say Swamp, because Swamp knows no part. Right. But, but it's there all are, of them. There are it's politicians that don't run on that fucking campaign. It's all of them. Wall Street. You know why I and say it's all of them? And they do have values that represent either a Democratic value or a Republican value. No. And that's I'm, I'm sorry. as long as they're not crooked. How can, you, how can you do good? How can you do good on a, on a system that is 99% corrupt? Ron you cannot do it. You can name, name, a, name a politician. Name a politician it's that's done very, something good that you remember. It's a very few, but not all of them. Ron Paul. Yeah, like that's it. Like I said, like it, it's like they might have done. Yeah, they might have cleaned. You know, the street or two around your town, and then that's that's not what we're talking about. See, like look look at a person like AOC, right? 
it was the, everything that you were saying. She was grassroots. She was like, you know, from the bottom up, all this thing. Now, like I've been saying, she's the brand new Nancy Pelosi. Brand new. She, everything that she said that she ran for, she doesn't stand for no more. She's quiet now, right? She's taking the good money because, Dude, I mean, look sold at the cashmere sweater that she's she driving. She sellout for the get-go. She sold a fucking lie. She was just yeah, buying a ticket into It's the all of them. All she it's all doing. of them. You know, it's that's the thing all. I don't get. It's all of them. It's you got... It's 99.9% of them, and the 1% of the yeah, 1%. And, and the 1%, proud. guess what, Matt? The 1% ain't going to do shit against the 99%. Why? And then you know what no, they're going to do not. the 1%? But that 1%'s growing. I mean, how long has it been growing? I will it's say, COVID. I will say for one example of from what you're talking about, Bleach, is that during Trump's first administration, he was able to get, and they were able to get the Federal Reserve rate down to zero. And that opened up the floodgates for people to be able to buy homes, especially at the lowest interest rates that you've ever seen. That's the only time that I can possibly think of something. Yeah, but who was benefiting on the back? You see that? It's like, you know. I understand I, I, that they were benefiting. I, oh, I, I get, get that. Oh, no, and I understand. But that's that's what I mean. Like, sometimes, like, you know, they throw us the crumbs. And we're fucking happy as they're over there eating the motherfucking cake. You know what I mean? Exactly. So, you know, I get it, right? I get I get everything that we're saying here. You know, I'm not saying, but that's the thing. I have come to an understanding that in order for anything to really happen, in order for us to really have, a, a, I guess, a party or whatever, like there shouldn't be a fucking party. There shouldn't be a party. It should not be anything of like a Democrat or Republican. Like that stigma, I think, along the lines like they they really perfected it to fucking entertain you just the same way that they entertain you with baseball, football, anything. It's a way to it's divide the, you. Yeah, it's that's it's that simple, you know. And like that's the thing. I think people just gotta go with the well, I guess with their values. You know, it shouldn't be as far as oh you're a Democrat, I'm a Republican. I should like this because I'm a Republican, and I should like this because I'm a Democrat. Nah, it should just be like I like this because I'm an American. You feel me? Mm-hmm. No, I totally agree with that. No, I'm, yeah, I, I agree with everything you said there. But like I said, I, I, I differentiate between swamp and and party line values. So not everybody. I mean, I don't agree with Kennedy, but I can respect his his Democrat viewpoints, even if I don't agree with him, because he basically didn't fold to the to the to what the Democrat Party's ideology is and their tactics. And he basically told them, you're fucking idiots and you need to fucking quit it because this isn't right and you're fucking ruining shit. And I'm going to run because I know more people on the Democrat Party side agree with my viewpoints than what than this extreme shit that you're pulling. Now, I don't agree with him on a lot of his shit, but I can agree that he's not part of that fucking swamp. And I can say the same thing about some constituents in the Republican Party, that I don't agree with everything that they're doing, but I can see when somebody's not swamp. TZ? Yeah, I just, I just wanted to add, I think another big problem is just um, Kennedy even claiming he's a Democrat is a problem. For him not seeing it, you know, him not seeing the sides are both corrupted is a problem. 
you know, Trump is first president. Not seeing that Fauci was in there doing all this shit is a problem. Like uh, everybody's misinformed. Everyone's got their little sneaky ways of doing things. And there's no there's no way to get the truth out of any any of them. So therefore, none of them can be trusted. You can't claim either one because the trust has been broken. It's gone. You you don't get it back. You don't get a second chance. That's just how it is. Where I'm from, you don't get once you once you break that bond, you don't get that second chance. You you can't come around me no more. That's just what it is. I agree. Lantern. No, I was just saying uh, indoctrination. I mean, Kennedy, he came around that time. All of them came up, so they kind of all seen the same thing. You know, brainwashed, to thinking the same. I'm gonna post a video, and then I'm going to bid you all tonight a uh, good night because i think it's actually perfect for what one more comment if i can go ahead while i'm looking for Our this constitutional video. laws and state and elections and transparency of elections and paper ballot and, and not this fuckery bullshit that they're unconstitutionally doing is what allows these corrupt people not to get elected out and i think it is the biggest well maybe other than the border thing fault or, or power against our freedom is the inability to unelect the swamp and i think that is one of the biggest issues aside from the border that's a threat to our constitutional rights as Americans. All right. Up above, I posted this. Um, this is from one of the highly respected and one of the board members of the, he's a cardiac doctor. Um, last week you had uh Kennedy, who went on the Howie Mandel podcast, and he was talking about how the co how the COVID vaccine, how COVID was completely manufactured, how it came to where it was. I want you to watch. I want you to watch that one video for with Howie Mandel and Kennedy, and listen to Kennedy trying to prove to Howie Mandel, his point. And I, I just want you to watch that. There, Right below that is what I posted, and it's, it's long. It's 15 minutes. But once you watch this video, you will actually see the medical truth of the vaccine, what it does to your heart, what it does to your body, and why they can't be trusted in any way, shape, or form. There's no, you guys have to watch it prior to telling me about it because once you watch it, you will say, fuck you. I will never believe you again. I want to thank everybody for coming to this wonderful space call. I want to, you know, thank you for listening, understanding if there's anything that you guys need Question-wise, you know, you can always DM me anytime that you need. I will I will answer any question that does come around. Um, 
this Friday, um, my space, I'm actually going to hold on Saturday. During the day, um, my good friend Wolfie will be joining us on Saturday. And so we'll be doing another live stream. I leave you guys all with Lesson Jake. guys have a wonderful evening and I'll talk to you later on.